Hello and welcome to Media May, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invented our lives. I'm your host, Chief of Medicine, Rod, and I'm joined by... Oh, holy Jess. <laughs> Is yeah. that good? Yeah. You like that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we are <laughs> recording from the brand new Media Made Studio. Hey! Snap, 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 snap. Yep, uh, we have moved into a new space, um, and we have a dedicated recording room. Uh, it's not completed yet. We haven't completely uh, soundproofed it, uh, treated it. Yeah. This is what I've heard it refer- referred to, but you know we're doing it. So if you hear some extra room tone, sounds a little different than normal, that's why. Yeah, but you can uh, check out some pics. Hit us up on Instagram and tell us what you think of our, our cool new studio. Flat. Media studio. Our media studio. Me- media, media made, made studios. L- link. Ink. What? <laughs> Um, yeah, so if you're new to the show, by the way, uh, what we do is we talk movies, music, and TV. Today's a TV episode, specifically the TV shows of 2001. Whoop, whoop. Jess and I have looked at a list of every TV show that debuted in the year 2001. This is true. At least everyone listed in Wikipedia, by the way. Mm, <laughs> we have yeah. to rely on a certain website to be accurate, uh, fair and accurate. Look, nothing on the internet is perfect. Wikipedia yeah. comes close. We'll get, we'll get but... to that a little, little later. But <laughs> every TV show that we know that debuted in the year 2001, and we decided which one each of us had watched the most in our lives. Correct. Um, I have seen my show multiple times Multiple over. times. It's, in fact, through. it's my favorite show. <laughs> I, it, it is. Like, it's my favorite television show ever made. Yeah, honestly, that doesn't come to as a surprise. I mean, yeah, this feels very up your alley. And so does yours, I suppose. Mm. What I know of mid-2000s Jess. <laughs> She was a very specific creature. Uh, and you watched your show all the way through. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. To your perturbment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. That's our that's our segment, too. Uh, but my show, my favorite show, debuting October 2nd, 2001 on NBC, created by Bill Lawrence, starring Zach Braff, Sarah Chalk, Donald Faison, Neil Flynn, Ken Jenkins, Judy Reyes, and John C. McGinley. That is Scrubs. I can't do this all on my own. No, I know I'm no Superman. I'm no Superman. Yeah, you know, listening to it, like you really, you really hear that theremin. Yeah, <laughs> it's the only theme song for television that I know has a theremin in it. I feel like Community has a theremin. Yeah. Eh. I don't know. I was just going to say, like, uh, we just uh, recorded a Media Made Dark episode and hearing NBC right now is like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you know, NBC, we're going to have some NBC. Uh, oh, no. We're going to have some NBC related. Uh, Drama. Trauma. Yeah. T- Trauma with a T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, t- television networks, uh, they aren't good people. <laughs> no. It's difficulty, you know. Yes. Uh, it, it, w- yeah. So we're going to get into the production nitty gritty. Uh, especially when I talk about the legacy of the show, because the show uh, jumped networks at some point. Oh. Uh, has a misguided ninth season. Oh, no. Just like Community. No, not unlike Community. Um, well, but, I guess Community is like the show since it is a predecessor. Yeah, same network too, NBC. <laughs> uh, before it was on Crackle. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but uh, before I go any further, uh, the show's theme song is Superman by Laszlo Bain. A friend of Zach Braff, star oh. Zach Braff. I guess uh, he he recommended them to the showrunners. That's how you keep your homies in business. Yeah, I think it was like his, I eat, you eat. It's like his his roommate or something. That makes sense. Yeah, and uh, it just it's the the whole theme of the show is about uh, not being able to do it on your own. 
you know, needing a, a, a friend group, a community, a support group. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Scrubs, have you seen Scrubs before? I've seen Scrubs on my cousin because she's a doctor. But the television show, you, you have any? Uh... Before you, I'm sure I caught like an episode every now and then. But um, it's not something that I sought out for myself ever. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I uh, I did not start watching Scrubs until I was in high school. I would say it's about late 2006, early 2007. The show started airing in syndication on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Um, so every like Comedy Central got the rights, um, and it was still airing on NBC, like new episodes were. But this was all reruns on, yeah. on Comedy Central, and uh, they were like playing an episode every day. You know, mm. and I started I was watching Comedy Central at the time and I would see the promos for Scrubs. Right. Um, and I'm like, OK, I, you know, that looks interesting. You know, I, I wasn't like, oh, I need to go seek out Scrubs. But I remember being at my uncle's house. We were visiting and like my parents were just catching up with my uncle, my aunt. Mm-hmm. And I was left alone in like the guest room with the TV, like with cable. And right. I was like just flipping through the channels trying to find something to watch. And Scrubs was on. And I re- even remember the first episode that I saw. <laughs> it was the episode where Turk, the janitor, and Ted form an air band. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where it's, yeah, it's like a lip sync yeah, air yeah, band. Yeah. And they play uh, uh, More Than a Feeling by Boston. Turk dances to Poison by Belviv DeVoe. <laughs> it just it, it was such like a fun freewheeling show that I like. Oh, I'm going to find more of it. It was like, I like this. This, yeah. is, this is fun. This is good. You know, and it just had like it's just. The perfect tone of like comedy, a little bit of drama peppered in, you yeah. know, um, it's it's wacky, it's fantastical, but also it's grounded. You know, it's like it's just like a very balanced sitcom. Yeah. And I didn't watch a lot of sitcoms. So, you know, this was honestly like maybe which the is fir- true to day as well. Yeah. This is like the first sitcom I actually like watched and, and sought out. Um, and then so I actually like I set my I set our DVR to record every episode of Scrubs. And luckily they were airing in order. So I ended up watching the show multiple times through with what was available in Comedy Central. And then by that point, I believe the seventh season was airing on NBC. So I watched it on NBC as well. Huh. Uh, <laughs> there were some problems with the seventh season we'll get into. Oh, dear. Uh, not, not the show itself, but the surrounding yeah. uh, uh, television. The bureaucracy of it all. Television business was having some stuff going on. We'll oh, was it that. the strike? Yes, uh... yes, 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 yes. But I will talk about that. You know, I'm honestly pretty surprised that you don't have Scrubs on DVD. I have. My aunt bought me season one on DVD. I have it over there. You I have, have all of the DBZ saga, but you don't have Scrubs. Yeah, I know. I, I haven't even like opened that DVD, to be honest. Um, we don't even have a DVD. But I, 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 we'll talk about it a little later, but I think I want to watch Scrubs again. <laughs> this gave me the itch. Uh, I mean, as long as it's fine. That's fine. I'll watch Scrubs with you as long as I never have to watch Arrested Development again. Don't get that itch. Do not get that itch yeah. don't no the season season five of that show gave me like <laughs> stomach aches oh man <laughs> i get it i like occasionally we'll be like oh let's watch community all over again anyway we're but not that, talking about that we're talking about this nbc show scrubs but that's my history with scrubs why don't we get in the history of the show oh right. scrubs creator and showrunner bill lawrence got his start in television in 1992 the year I was born. Oh, wow. As a staff writer on the short-lived ABC sitcom, Billy. <laughs> Ever heard of Billy? Madison? I don't know anything Little about Billy? it. I don't know Billy. 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 <laughs> it's, it's that show. <laughs> <laughs> that commercial. <laughs> they uh, built a show out of it. I would watch it. Uh, before moving on to other shows like The Nanny, 
Ch- oh, with Fran? Champs. I've heard of it, but I've Friends. Heard I've of that never one. heard of that one. And Boy Meets World. I Okay, here's the thing. When you said something Lawrence, I said in my head, I was like, Topanga Lawrence? Uh, speaking of Topanga, Bill Lawrence he claims that he named the character Topanga. Yeah. He's like, I'll never have a daughter. Or I'll never have a, uh, a partner who will allow me to name my daughter this. So Topanga. So if you want to uh, hear more about our thoughts on Boy Meets World, you can listen to our 1993 TV episode. Yeah. Uh, in 1996, he, alongside TV vet Gary David Goldberg, created the ABC sitcom Spin City, which starred Michael J. Fox. Ah, I know that guy. I, I, after getting into Scrubs and learning that Bill Lawrence also created Spin City, I tried to watch episodes of Spin City in, in syndication. And it's like, it's too much of a 90s sitcom. It's too, mm. it's very like, you know, multi-camera. It's unlike, unlike Scrubs, which is a single camera sitcom mm-hmm. where, you know, like the, it's, it's much more dynamic. It feels like, a you know. Yeah, a new you, you, newer it, show. Right, it moves. Yeah, Spin City is multicam. I, I can't remember if it has a laugh track or not, but it's a very '90s sitcom. Mm. And it's like I like Michael J. Fox, and he's he's very charismatic. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't get into the show. Mm. I think it was like about about like a like a political like so, some kind of political thing. Like he works at the mayor's office or something. I can't uh, remember. Just watch Parks and Rec. <laughs> Spin City ran for six seasons and won an Emmy and four Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. So around the time of Spin City's fourth season, Lawrence began developing a new show based on the experiences of his college friend, Dr. Jonathan Doris. Oh, no. Who had worked as a resident in internal medicine at Brown Medical School. Okay. So Jonathan Doris Mm. is the inspiration of the Scrubs character, John Dorian. Yes. Dr. Dorian is... Oh. And he... they Bill Lawrence, like in interviews, calls him JD, his friend JD. So (laughs) JD from Scrubs is based on this man. Yes. JD. Uh, Dr. Doris would also serve as the medical advisor on the show. Oh. Yep. So... Getting paid. Yeah. So I'm already a doctor. Make me a a co-writer as well. Let's go. Like most of the first season is literally just based on actual stories from Jonathan Doris's time as as an intern. It felt like that. Yeah. I mean, not that I've seen the whole first season, but I've seen bits. (laughs) I'll I'll point out even in the pilot, like certain elements of the plot that are directly inspired by Mr. Doris, Dr. Mm. Doris. (laughs) Um, In an unusual situation, Scrubs was produced by Touchstone Television, later known as ABC Studios. Oh. So it's a Disney joint. Oh. But it aired on the NBC network. Because Disney didn't want it. I it, 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 NBC may have bid more for it. So mm. uh, apparently like the, the Scrubs script, like the pilot, like the, the, the development script or mm-hmm. whatever, like what they were gonna make was hot. Like it was it was a hot commodity mm-hmm. in in, in Hollywood, Burbank, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so all these television networks were all bidding on it. They all wanted to air Scrubs or at least produce the pilot. So when I guess when it came down to it, NBC bid more money and the show is made by Disney. So mm-hmm. it's like you want to NBC, you want to pay us to air our show and we don't have to, you know, air it ourselves or what? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It must have been a good deal for, for Disney because they just NBC seems like like one of those old hoarders that just want and then don't do anything with their nice shiny things. Well, NBC was on top of the world, though, in the 90s with, oh, with friends, friends and, stuff. and Seinfeld. Yeah, but like, if you're not gonna actually diversify, give like the thing. You know, it's like you already have food they in your tr- plate. They treated Scrubs well, I think, for for most of its early seasons. Mm. Um, they gave it a spotlight, you know. So NBC was the hot 
okay. television network. ABC was, I think, like trying to, you know, gain an audience, but it wasn't like I, NBC ruled comedy on Got television. It. Got it. It probably helped that uh, one of the executives didn't hate Scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk casting. Relatively unknown actor Zach Braff, who had only two credits to his name and was still waiting tables in L.A., was cast as the show's lead character, John Dorian. Nice. J.D. Yeah. He probably looked at him and be like, you remind me a lot of J.D. when he was younger. Let's do this. <laughs> in his, When talking about being cast, uh, uh, Zach Braff said that he auditioned once in New York. Like He flew to New York to audition, oh, wow. and the audition did not go well. And so he's like, well, that sucked. Um, and then his his uh, agent basically said, listen, they're ho- they're, they haven't found it anyone yet. They're host. They're, they're, they're hosting another audition here in LA. Just go. They won't remember you. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And they, he went in and he Got did, it. he prepared, he did a lot better. And that's how he landed the gig. Sweet. I mean, that's right. You won't be remembered. Sorry. Yeah. You're one of hundreds. You're one of thousands. <laughs> Braff was joined by Sarah Chalk, best known as the second Becky on Roseanne. Oh, okay. Everyone calls her second Becky. Oh my gosh. Uh, Donald Faison, best known for Clueless and Waiting to Excel. Yes, this is true. John C. McGinley, best known for Platoon, Wall Street, Point Break, and The Rock. Who was he in Point Break? Oh, he's like the the, the mean chief. Okay. I've only seen Point Break once. You know, he's, he, he, he plays like the same character in uh, everything. Like he's all, Like very... You know, high strung, mm-hmm. you know, just constantly like ranting and, you know, getting heated. Like he's very angry. All his roles are angry. Rawr. The only time I haven't seen him be angry is in uh, that horrible movie, uh, uh, Wild Hogs with John Travolta and. Uh, oh, when they're. I didn't see They're motorcycle it. dudes. Yes, yeah. I've seen like they're, they're horrible in trailers. John C. McGinley plays like pretty like offensive. Uh, cop character mm. you know it's like yeah you can't, you can't view a character like that today it's pretty it was pretty homophobic oh wow yep yeah but he, pl- he plays a very like effeminate man uh, okay uh and lastly character actors judy reyes ken jenkins and neil flynn so mm. all kind of working people in hollywood they all had more experience than like zach braff or even um donald Faison. like mm. they were the youngins and then these people kind of came in to kind of fill to out fill the cast up. with experience. So yeah. that's Scrubs. Oh, okay. They made the pilot. It was popular. It was like one of the, apparently it was like one of the best reviewed pilots of the season. And uh, it's pretty good. And it got aired. Yeah. And now it's the show we all love today. We all, I'm sure there's some scrub haters out there. Dentists. They're like, he should have been a dental hygienist. So we watched the first episode of Scrubs, the pilot. It's called My First Day. Uh, because every episode of Scrubs, almost every episode, it starts with my blank. Mm. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's all because the show is presented from JD, John Dorian's mm-hmm. perspective. Like he's narrating the show. He's basically like it's almost like a diary entry. It's like he's describing his whatever that, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, his experiences. Right. And then they'll play with that a couple of times where like JD's always the narrator. You know, you hear mm-hmm. his voice everywhere. Um, and there are some episodes, uh, I think the first one is like her story mm. <laughs> and JD one day like bumps into Elliot and suddenly Elliot's the narrator <laughs> and they, he, they do that a couple times, you know, it's like his story, you know, his story too. And it's from different perspective, like, you know, Turk, That's pretty interesting. Yeah, Turk might have one, Dr. Cox. And then there's like an hour story where it's like a bunch of new interns come in 
Huh. And they're all newbies. And, and they're know, like freaking they're the out neighbors. like he did the first day. Yes, exactly. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, so let's meet our main character. All right. Uh, as, as I mentioned, his name is JD. And he's the narrator. Since I was a kid, I've been able to sleep through anything. Storms, sirens, you name it. Last night I didn't sleep. I guess I get a little goofy when I'm nervous. You see, today isn't just any other day. It's my first day. I'm the man. How sometimes life can be so unpredictable. And if they had to do it all again. And four years of pre-med, four years of med school, and tons of unpaid loans have made me realize one thing. Good. Could you go drop an NG tube on the patient in 234 and call the attending if the lavage is positive? I don't know, Jack. <laughs> John Dorian is the first day as a doctor. He's an intern at a teaching hospital called Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. That's the show. That's the show for a couple of seasons. I assume eventually he becomes not an yes, intern. Yes, that's one of the things I enjoyed about Scrubs is as the seasons go on, like he goes from being a first year intern to just a, you know just a resident, mm-hmm. you know, and learning. Uh, and then with I think like by season three or four, uh, he's a legitimate attending, mm. you know, and, and they, like they deal with like what it's like to just be a, you know, working doctor at a teaching hospital where you're expected to start teaching newbies. Uh, you have to find your specialty. Like there's a whole episode where like they're all trying to f- figure out what they want to do. You know, it's like and then like certain characters go into like endocrinology and stuff like that. Is this the reason you wanted to be a doctor for a while? <laughs> oh, man, I didn't even tell that story. I yes. Was, I was like, like, I'm sitting here talking, listening to you, and I was like, I don't know the differences between interns and hendings and practice. I don't know any. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's another thing about scrubs in my history with scrubs. Uh, there are two reasons why I pursued medicine when I was in high school. One was my, my mom. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I was pushed into it a little bit, you know. Two, the th- something that I, I think this is what eased it me a little more into the idea was scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> I like scrubs so much that I was like, I could probably be a doctor. Um, <laughs> it's like those kids who watch Indiana Jones. I'm going to be an archaeologist. 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 Um, in s- between junior year and senior year of high school, I went to an, a medical internship program, like a it was like a thing at UCLA. Mm-hmm. You shadow doctors. You interview doctors. You learn about like what it's like to be a doctor. You watch. You watch a surgery. Yeah. That wasn't. That was rough. Yeah. That was rough for me. Uh, yeah. Um, You're like maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, that was one thing. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. But um, we'll go to college but, for it anyway. But I remember being in there and like talking. Like it seemed like everyone had different reasons why they wanted to be a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like. You know, a bunch of very smart people, you know, very all walks of life at this place. Mm -hmm. And I was connecting to this one guy who he also liked scrubs and, and, you know, just like I did, you know, we were just chatting about, oh, yeah, you know, like, like, I love this show and and stuff like that. And I remember there was a day where they brought in like a panel of different doctors. I think Mm -hmm. there might have been a dentist in there, you know, but it's just like three different doctors of different specialties. And the the students could ask them any questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And that guy asked the panel. There are a lot of medical shows out there like Scrubs and Grey's, Grey's Anatomy, Anatomy and ER. Yeah. What? General Hospital. Which one of those shows is most like your day-to-day life? And one of the female doctors said, believe it or not, it's Scrubs. 
<laughs> like that show did a pretty good job of presenting like what it's like to just like be a normal like a day-to-day doctor mm-hmm. uh you know and in, in like kind of the process and the different problems that we deal with mm-hmm. we don't sleep around as much though <laughs> <laughs> you don't crap where you eat that's smart that's important Oh my gosh, that's really. F- I, hey. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, I realized that you know, I, I didn't want. I sh- I probably shouldn't pursue a career based solely on a sitcom that I enjoy. So that's true. Yeah. Did you decide that after you found out they don't sleep together that much? No. <laughs> it <was a> couple, <laughs> that's it took, what it sounded like. <laughs> no, it took me a couple years to determine. Oh yeah, this isn't for me. Yeah. I, by By the time I went to college, I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, you had done it like for the first year, and then you switched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two quarters of pre med. Or whatever, uh, uh, pre-med tract, right? Uh-huh. Where they, they push you into chemistry and biology, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and and I was like, yeah, this ain't for me, man. I'm good at it. Like I, <laughs> I got good grades in those courses, yeah. but I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. That's fair. I'm going to go I- write essays about <laughs> feminism. <laughs> Honestly, even though you were probably, I mean, I didn't know you then, good at, good at it. I'd prefer to have a doctor who was like good at it and felt found fulfillment in it. This, this would, like knowing you as I do now, you would be able to do it. You would hate it. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, a lot of the other people that I was dealing with in these pre-med courses were uh, equally as cynical. And it's like, I'm doing this for the money. Uh, a bunch of Dr. Kelso's out there. Oh, no. I was speaking of Dr. Kelso. Uh, we'll introduce him in a second. But let's talk about some of these other characters in the show. Because JD okay. is surrounded by a group of colorful characters. A cast of colorful characters. But the first character that we meet, <laughs> other than JD, is who? Uh, a Christmas turkey. <laughs> Turk. Uh, JD's best friend. Hey, Turk. What's so- you know how I'm totally down with the rap music? Dude, be whiter. Chris Turk's my best friend. We roomed together in college. We roomed together in med school. Hell, we even got accepted by the same hospital. Here's the thing. Tupac, DMX, Dr. Dre. In most of their songs, these artists use an extremely volatile racial slur. The N-word. I got it. Right. My question is this. If we're both singing along and knowing that otherwise I would never use the word, Am I allowed to say? No. See, that's good for me to know. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I feel like their their dynamic is is so good. Yeah. Like I, uh, they're they're real life best friends, Zach Braff and Donald Faison. After like, this yeah. show, because yeah. they, I don't think they knew each other, right? No, no, yeah. they had just met they met each other <laughs> like at a at a ca- at a casting or, and at, they or at a yeah at a, a script reading or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they have great chemistry yeah. from the start. Yeah. They bring out the best in each other. Yeah. It's guy love. That's all it is. It's just regular love. <laughs> love is love, my guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're great together. And uh, I like the writing here that it's like, both, like you guys are listening, but I'm sure you've seen different things. JD is a white man and Turk is a black man, which is why this conversation is happening. But this is literally like the first conversation we see between them. And they're drawing these lines of just kind of like, hey, we're friends. So I'm going to ask you this, que- this question. And that's a no. All right. Thanks. That was, you know, it was so respectful. And also, JD, why did you think you could say it? Actually, this was in 2001 where everybody was asking that question. They didn't know. Why didn't they know? But it's like. They still ask that question. Yeah, they still ask that question. And he didn't like, but like JD's like, cool, and moves on. Um, But they're having this conversation while like orientation is happening. Yeah. Well, lawsuit orientation. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Something that I, oh, by the way, uh, Turk is also based on. Another doctor. Oh, 
okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a friend of Dr. Doris or <laughs> not, but uh, uh, Bill Lawrence said that every medical story in the show was handed to them by real physicians whose names would then be written into the show. Huh. Uh, they wanted to make sure that the doctor's names are always written into the show or a variation on it. So mm-hmm. they, they, and they talked about, I think it's like a, a doctor named Dr. Turk mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. So that's cool. Yeah. So that's Turk cool. and JD are based on real doctors out there. That's great homage. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say something about like the, so we, I played two clips and it's like the first two like jokes mm-hmm. of these, the series as a whole. Um, I don't think they're very strong jokes. Hmm. Like the Dr. Dre one's kind of funny because Zach Braff's like, I, 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 I didn't know that. Now it's good to know, right? Yeah. That's kind of funny the way he delivered it. But I think that's a pretty like, eh, it's like kind of a didn't land for me. For sure. The- I, I think though I was uh, thinking of it less as a joke and more as like character setup because we had already gone through, we're best friends. We did this and this and this. And then the closeness of this kind of conversation is like, ah. So I was like, there's a joke in it. Like it's light hearted but it's more setting up of like these characters i get that uh the 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 real like i feel like so one this is a really strong pilot Mm -hmm. and and it's surprising you watch this how much of the show they just nailed from the start it's like they knew exactly what the show was going to be from you know they have fantasy sequences the 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 narration the mix of you know and the balance of of comedy and drama Mm -hmm. and uh, it's it, it all the most of the characters, they are already it. completely established, and you know exactly you know they are firmly rooted in what they will be. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but I feel like the opening, like sequence where JD first starts talking and it's like I've always been a, you know I've always, I've always been a light sleeper or whatever. Like he's very whispery. Mm-hmm. I was like, JD has not found his inner monologue yet. Yeah, and that's it's kind of off putting to hear it. Like I feel like he's mm-hmm. too wispy. Got it. Um, and that first joke sucks. The <laughs> I'm always kind of goofy when I'm nervous. And JD like wakes up from bed. He goes to his mirror in his bathroom and he's messing around with shaving cream. Yeah. Like he makes like paints war, it on his face. War and, paint. Or yeah. he creates like a little like bikini top with, yeah. with shaving cream. And he's like making goofy faces. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, that that's a lame joke. Mm. And uh, it does not set the series off on a strong foot for me. It catches itself very quickly. And I think this is a very good episode. Mm-hmm. But I just want to point that out. Yeah. something It's, it's kind of cringy to me. Yeah. I mean, we got to start somewhere. Yeah. But I hear you. I just wish that, I, for how much I like Scrubs, I, w- I just wish the first joke was stronger. Yeah. And, and by the way, the whole shaving cream thing, that was a, a reshoot. They added that, like the, the network wanted a bigger laugh at the beginning. So uh, they insisted on that. That's the and, big laugh. And Zach Braff said i don't like that joke either <laughs> he's like i was uncomfortable filming that yeah someone had to put that shaving cream on him and he's like uh, okay so it's fine this is the job i like the other parts of it but yeah anyway you you mentioned orientation so yes we meet two characters two like of the main cast in the orientation segment mm-hmm. uh, you meet ted who's the hospital's lawyer <laughs> because that's something you don't really realize is like you know, uh, doctrine, medical uh, s- facilities need legal experts because, you know, you're dealing with life and death in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you meet the chief of medicine, Dr. Kelso. Finally, doctors, if there is a mistake, don't admit it to the patient. Of course, if the patient is deceased you and you're sure, <laughs> you can feel free to tell him or her 
Anything. <laughs> okay, gang. I'm Dr. Bob Kelso, and I'm your chief of medicine. So I just want to encourage you all to think of me as your safety net, because I promise you we're a family here. Now then, <laughs> go get them, doctors. So Ted is this sad little man, balding. He's, he, 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 it's so funny that he is exactly the way he is the whole show. Here <laughs> in the very beginning, he's this very unconfident, sad little pitiful man. Aww. And he plays like the, the, he's like the, the Rensfield or the Igor to uh, Dr. Kelso's like Dr. 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 Frankenstein uh, or, or Dracula, mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just this sad little man that's you know just kind of manipulated by the chief of medicine oh yeah uh, and it's funny because he's, he's like as soon as he finishes that speech he just sits down and puts his hands in his face <laughs> he's all sweaty <laughs> but poor man that's a hard job yeah. i suppose uh and then uh, dr kelso is he's not the in this first scene he's giving off a very different energy than he will later on <laughs> it's a misdirect because yes. here he's like this, you know, jolly old man. Yeah. He's their safety net. He's their safety net. He's such a kind old man. He's here to lead these youngins by hand. <laughs> like, go get him, doctors. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. They, he's like everyone's, you know, friendly grandpa. He's so supportive. Right. Uh, and as we'll learn the first episode, that's one of the things is you discover that a lot of what JD experiences at the beginning is not what he thought they were. Yeah. You know, so that's, let's, let's meet some other characters. Who do you, who you want to you meet next? Mm, I think I would like to meet Tom? Serge bro? Sergio bro? Oh, oh, you want to meet Todd. I said Todd. <laughs> okay, yeah. So speaking of Turk, <laughs> Chris Turk, uh, uh, and JD and Turk have two different specialties, right? Right. JD is internal medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's going to be doing rounds and talking to patients and, uh, you know, general care. Right. Turk is a surgeon. So he goes off and does surgeon things. Cuts into people. <laughs> right. Uh, and JD kind of describes the differences. And we are introduced to another surgeon at the hospital named Tim. Todd. <laughs> I wonder if Turk's having the same experience I am. I'm such a stud. Probably not. This morning, I had my hands inside of a guy's chest. I couldn't even see them. I should not be allowed to do stuff like that. What's up? And you weren't scared? One way or another, everyone stops bleeding. That is so deep. No, it isn't. It's a little deep. Yeah, we never got to talk about the apartment. I want to see that. Ah! <laughs> what up, boy? How you doing? All right, all right. All right, Todd, JD. JD, this is my man Todd. Let's go. <laughs> and like that, I was back in high school. You see, surgical interns, they're all slice them and dice them. They're the jocks. Medical interns, we're trained to think about the body, diagnose, test. The medical interns, well, you gotta stay. <laughs> We're the chess club. So Todd is one of those characters that does change as the series goes on. Does he, he? He goes through what is to, what is uh, colloquially called flanderism. He's uh, flanderized, meaning a, a certain quality of Todd gets magnified and magnified <laughs> throughout the show, and that's his one thing. <laughs> So in this first thing, he's much more of a realistic character. He's kind of a jockey guy. You know, he's a prankster. You know, he says, oh, you got a stain on your shirt and like, you know. Flicks his nose. Yeah. And, and, and it they get the high five at the very beginning. So that's something that Todd always does is he's he gives very sharp high fives. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And I, I think I got that from Todd as well. Because uh, <laughs> when I when I high five people and they give me a weak one, I was like, no, man, you, it's got to sting. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. But as the show goes on, Todd becomes more and more uh, like sex obsessed. Oh, no. You know, but like in a very like childish, he, he becomes like a. Like a very, he's a very juvenile the whole show. Just dude, bro. Yeah, dude, bro. But like he's, he becomes more and more stupid. Uh, like, yeah, like a child, a childlike stupidity. I don't want a stupid surgeon, please. Yeah, but that's the joke is like he's, he, he becomes like, he's like the village idiot. <laughs> it's, and uh, he, he's con like, as soon as they get him in the banana hammock, uh, he starts wearing a man thong. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's like a, a big joke is he's always in his banana hammock. <laughs> um, and it's like he has like three traits. It's like, you know, he says a lot of sexual innuendo mm -hmm. or as he says in your endo. Oh, no. Uh, he wears a banana hammock and he gives high fives. Todd, if, no. And if he can't give high fives to someone, he gives himself a self high five. Oh, okay. Self high five. Self high five. Todd, your parents were so proud. <laughs> so Todd becomes a, a very joke character, oh but he's gosh. one of many like one note joke characters, like mm -hmm. third tertiary characters off to the side and, mm -hmm. and they'll introduce more and more and that's something i really appreciated about the show is they, they roll with stuff bill lawrence allows like inside jokes amongst the cast and crew to become part of the show so <laughs> it's funny you'll they'll bring in extras to just mm -hmm. play doctors in the background right but if those doctors look interesting or like the cast starts nicknaming the the, the extras in the yeah. background they'll then bring them up to the forefront like a, a <laughs> A big example is Snoop Dogg intern. <laughs> so there's this, there's just this like intern they bring in in like season two or three that vaguely looks like Snoop Dogg. Right? <laughs> he's just like this skinny black guy. He's always wearing scrubs out in the background. But I assume people just started calling him Snoop Dogg intern as a joke. And then they just bring him in. You know, they're just like, let's just give him speaking lines and have him become a character. And, you know, like, what's up, Snoop Dogg intern? And he just like does a Snoop Dogg impression. <laughs> what's up? He's always got like, you know, he's got like arms around women. Like he's oh my like a ladies man at the hospital. This show is making me realize a lot of things about you because you say you say stuff sometimes like that guy's got an actor's face. That guy's and it feels like it's a scrubs thing where it's like you're in the background and you should be in the foreground. And we're just going to like, you know, if you're interesting enough, even just to look like look at or you have mannerisms, you're like, nah, you you can ha you can have a more of a main role. Like, yeah, I feel like that's how you live with, <laughs> out in the wild. This is a bunch of there's a bunch of characters like Dr. Big Head. Oh, gosh. Do the cast say it in the thing? Yes. Like they like they like mention um, like the stuff while like, do they ad lib saying like, I don't know. They, they might. <laughs> and and it just like, that's cut. But then they're like, ha ha ha. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's meet more characters. All right. Um, I think I want to meet Carla because I heard her in the background of that. Sounds good. We're going to meet Carla and Dr. Cox in the same scene. Hey. We're waiting for Dr. Cox. Hi, doctor. I'm placing Ivy for me. We'll talk later. Carla, can I ask you a personal question? Do you spray the perfume on, or do you just fill your bathtub up with it at home and splash around in it? I smell nice. Come on, you've done this to cadavers before, so this guy's alive. Just poke it through his skin. Poke it through, now! Time's up. Carla, would you do it for him, please? I'm also going to need an ABG. Why are you telling her? Shut up and watch. Be nice to Bambi. Bambi. She calls him... So quick, right off the bat. I, like, when I was watching this again, because I knew she called him Bambi, but I was like, I wonder how that nickname came to... It just, just... The first scene. 
Like, like she, I don't think she's ever said JD. She just said Bambi. She says it when it's serious, but yeah, yeah like. But yeah, like first upon first intro, like doesn't know. Maybe that's like a quote unquote nurse thing where it's just like, we're not going to learn this doctor's name until we have to. They all have nicknames and all the nurses just call him Bambi behind his back. Well, yeah, he's like walks like not in this scene, but the scene before it, like he, he runs up, he's like going to. He's walking with her as they're like walking a gurney mm-hmm. uh, to the the patient's room, and he's like, "I, I got a page," and she's like, "Ah, oh, first day, Bambi." It's yeah, like the first thing. First day, yeah. first interaction. Carla, yes, she's a nurse in the mm-hmm. hospital, and she presents a very interesting dynamic where, like, in their episodes, even in the first episode, like, this is a really strong episode. It's kind of a Carla focused one mm-hmm. where the relationship between JD and Carla gets tested because she's kind of like the motherly, you know, I'll take care of you, Bambi character. You know, she's teaching him the ropes. And honestly, in this first episode, you heard it. JD is nervous uh, to stick a patient with a needle. (laughs) Right. Yeah. He's, he, he doesn't, he's not ready yet. And the nurses kind of pick up the slack for him. Yeah. You know, kind of get him comfortable, but that's, that's JD. JD has to, JD has to gain the confidence to right. actually start performing his his procedures. Yeah. Um, and Carla's the first one to be like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll take care of this for you. Mm-hmm. But later on, they present a situation where, and Carla brings it up. He's like, she sees this all the time where, you know, a young doctor who she helped and nurtured starts to gain more experience and knowledge where the the power dynamic shifts right. where Carla is the experienced one. She's been there longer. She knows what's up. Her role in the hospital flips mm-hmm. with the new doctor, where the, go- the doctor earns authority and she loses it. Yeah, and you see that with with JD. So mm, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Car- uh, Judy Reyes plays Carla, and mm-hmm. she's great. Yes, very very strong. Yes, very like a, like a sassy lady. Yeah, a strong empowered career woman who worked her way through higher education however she did it and is here with knowledge and she's taking yeah she like take care of her mom yeah so yeah sweet and we met dr cox dr cox john c mcginley john cena mcginley he's so good and it's like he he knows exactly who dr cox is from the very beginning yeah dr cox is pitch perfect from the start (laughs) it's like you know condescending rude uh, I, he does. I don't think does he call JD a girl's name? Uh, in this episode, I don't think so. That becomes the thing where he he calls JD a girl's name for the rest of the series, you know? <laughs> and only only sparingly will he refer to him as JD or John Dorian when he's serious. Yeah, but yeah, um, he's he's like he's just like this angry, cynical doctor, you know, who is like he's been here long enough. He knows how things work. Uh, he's not happy about it. He doesn't seem like a very happy person, fulfilled person. But you know, he's also, but he's he's smart, mm-hmm. and he has a heart of gold underneath the cynicism. Yeah, um, and he does long rants, and JC uh, and John C. McGinley like nails the long speeches. Yeah, it's yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I have like more like of him just like going <laughs> off. Yeah, because he, he just like, like we could play him for days. Listening to him is so much fun, dude. But we should have introduced him last then. Why is this Gomer got to try and die every day during my lunch? It's a little insensitive. Mistake. Man's 92 years old. He has full dementia. He doesn't even know we're here. He is inches from Carlo's rack, and he hasn't even flinched. Oh, that is so sweet. Yeah, it is. What about his subconscious? Eisenhower, 
was a sissy. <laughs> I think by the grace of God, we're going to be okay. Oh, and from now on, whenever I'm in the room, you're definitely not allowed to talk. It's fair. He's so funny. My gosh. Uh, I have another one where he's like, it's regular strength Tylenol. <laughs> J.D. Pageism about, you know, how much to give somebody. Yeah, how much to prescribe. And he's, he's just like, you want to know the correct dosage? Open her mouth, throw a <laughs> handful at her. The amount that, you know, the, the amount that sticks, that's the correct dosage. Oh I'm not going to play that clip. But like he's he has so many great speeches in this yeah. show. I want to know who he was based off of. I don't know. Because that feels that feels like it feels like it's probably an amalgamation of all of his actual doctor friends talking about their like resident teacher or whatever they're like yeah they were cool but also <laughs> yeah and it's like dr cox is like such a, a deep character mm -hmm. he, he has many layers he's a very uh he's a very dynamic character where like he has many layers he's like an ogre <laughs> here's the I, you, thing you were waiting for it i like you have mentioned onions in every single segment 2001 for 2001 stop it <laughs> I was going to say, I, at least in this first episode, because again, I haven't really watched stretching. I haven't really watched uh, Scrubs, but I like the dynamic between Dr. Cox and Carla because I think right off the bat, like even when I was watching it the first time um, and how like rude he was being to JD and just in general, the way him and Carla go back and forth, I was like, oh, he's a good dude. Like, because here's the thing, a nurse just wouldn't talk to you. Like, <laughs> like there are other places where you see like nurses, even Carla just going mm, and then walking away. Like he's, he's abrasive, but like you could tell through that interaction, at least I could, right? Like, especially because I think this is even now more so knowing that this is based off of actual events in like a bunch of different actual events, then this is probably one of those things that is very true. Like if you got one of the head nurses or uh, just like being able to banter back and forth, right? Like, uh, do you spray it or do you bathe in it? I smell nice. Like, <laughs> you she, know, she can quip with him. Yeah. And the fact that she does rather than like scurries away, like I don't ever see her interact with, uh, Especially, well, at least in this first episode with uh, uh, Dr. Grandpa. Dr. Kelso. Yeah. Um, there's history there you learn about between Carla and Dr. Cox. Did they sleep together? Uh, they they had a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Sometime in the past, you know, <laughs> he, he's still resentful over it. Oh. And, and uh, you learn. So, I mean, in this first episode, too, there there's a, a, bo a blooming relationship between Carla and Turk. Yeah, I was, it, you know, it was, I was surprised to see that was in the first episode. Yeah, but she kind of uses him for a second. You mm -hmm. know, she like they, they uh, fool around. Yeah, they, they fool around in the in the on call room for a little bit. But mm -hmm. then she like she makes she makes him strip naked only to then leave him, you know. Yeah. You know, just she's to make like, him feel used. Ah, it's like a power play. Thanks. You know, she because I'm older. You know, she, she, she's definitely older than him. Like Judy Reyes is older than Donald Faison. But like mm -hmm. they present the characters like she's a bit older than he is. Like he's a bit more immature and shows she's he's trying to like, you know, get him to mature a little bit along with her, you know, as they actually start a real relationship. Yeah. But that was a total power move. Yeah. She's like, ah, <laughs> something to you remember when that power dynamic flips eventually. Yeah. But when they've actually when Turk and Carla start dating for real, uh, there is some resentment from Dr. Cox. 
Is bit. there? Yeah, and Dr. Cox is like basically takes an interest in Turk and says like you need to treat her right kind of uh, thing. Well, and, stop giving spoilers to the kid and to me sorry. because I assume you're going to make me watch this with you. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, speaking of Dr. Cox, uh, there was so I I wasn't the only fan of of uh, Scrubs in my friend group. Like mm-hmm. I feel like because of me, a bunch of my friends in high school started watching Scrubs too. Right. And we all started to enjoy it. And something me and my friends did in high school is like we would assign characters to each of us. It's like you're most like this person. Mm-hmm. You're most yeah. like this. And my friend Ken was very much JD. And I when I when I hear JD talk in this show, and it might just because my my friend Ken. Is a bit like Zach Braff <laughs> physically, his his vocal mm-hmm. patterns, but like JD is so much like my friend Ken. It was like a, <laughs> a natural fit. Uh, and then we didn't like we had black friends, but <laughs> none who watched Scrubs with us. So <laughs> it's like we just said, you know, Brandon, you're like Turk. You know, you're the lovable goofball. Okay. Um, but uh, any guesses on who just they said who they said I was like? Was it Kelso? No. <laughs> was it Doctor Cox? It was Doctor Cox because I was so angry. <laughs> You're so angry. It was like Rodney, you're 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 Dr. Cox because you're just so angry all the time. Who would you say I'd you're be complaining like? like? I'd probably you, be like Turk. You're, you're like Carla. Is it because I'm a female and that's the only yeah, you're one older of two than girls? I? Yeah. Wow. Oh, and we had a previous relationship because you're Dr. No. Cox. Um <laughs> and then my friend Tyler was Dr. Kelso because Tyler's like Tyler was like an old man in a young man's body. <laughs> <laughs> That's who you are today. I know, but Tyler's more like he he's like a 40s old man, you know, a man who grew up in the Eisenhower was a sissy type. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, you anyway, know, that, that's that's a story. Gosh. Oh, we got a few more characters we got to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, We haven't met Elliot yet. Elliot. I'm Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, don't do that. I'm JD. This is Turk. Elliot, are you medical or surgical? Medical. <laughs> Hello. So every male in my family is a doctor. My dad, my granddad, my brother. Yes, that's why dad gave me a guy's name. Made me play sports date girls. I'm joking. I know. I would have laughed if you'd paused. Anyway, I know what you're thinking. Your butt looks like two Pringles hugging. No, you don't. I'm probably Miss Hyper Competitive. I mean, it used to be a big problem for me. Used <laughs> to. So, past tense. So, Elliot, I feel like you get a lot there. She, she told you. Yeah. <laughs> she told you a lot about her character. She's just very open, considering how closed off she actually is. She uh, So, the, the Elliot kind of... She develops. It's not like she changes, like, mm-hmm. you know, and like that's unnatural. Like it's very gradual change, but she goes from being this very like she's always high strung. Yeah. She she remains high strung and neurotic throughout the whole show. I would say you're more like Elliot than anything else. I, I share a lot with these people. But like um she in this first episode specifically, she's very like tomboyish. Mm-hmm. Um she'll she'll kind of shed that off mm. towards the end of the show. Like there there's a big there was a big shift between two, season two and season three on purpose. Like the writers felt like they audience were having trouble connecting to Elliot because she was so like, you know, career focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. She would like just wasn't like likable. Like yeah, you didn't get to see type A. Like yeah, a very like, oh, uh, she was wound too tight all the time. She was cranked up to 11. Yeah. So they, they kind of like gave her like she there's a whole whole episode where she like basically throw like says mom and dad uh i'm not gonna 
take your money anymore because they, they're supporting her, you mm-hmm. know, and that's why she's trying to live up to her dad's name, you know, like a family of doctors. Yeah. Male doctors. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I'm going to live out on my own. I'm going to, you know, I'm coming out. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, she cuts her hair. She gets bangs. She starts wearing like heavy makeup to work, huh. you know, kind of like embracing her femininity more, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of being like, I'm, you know, a new woman. Yeah. Like I am a woman. I am not a just a son, another son for my father. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, first from the beginning, you have the will they, won't they between JD and Elliot. Uh, it really they, feels more like won't they won't. <laughs> they have they have an on again, awful. They have an off again, on again relationship throughout the whole show. I believe you. Yeah. But uh, for the first bit, I'm like, I see he likes her. I see no interest on her side. Well, I mean, hey, there's there's something that happens. I mean, but thanks. If there's anything I can ever do for you, just you could let me take you to dinner tomorrow night around seven or eight. Why not? Why not? That's what she said. Why not? Daddy, why did you marry mommy? Well, Tiger, I gave her an answer during rounds and she screwed my brains out. You're the main. One of our first fantasy sequences. Oh my gosh. Uh, by the way, that fantasy sequence, it's shot, it's, it takes place on a set, like a, a, a sitcom set, like a very mm-hmm. traditional sitcom set. Uh, that was from the they just used the set for the sitcom My Wife and Kids. <laughs> I've never seen that show or heard yeah, of it. That's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that's something that the show is that sets it apart is they constantly have these like cutaway gags, like family guy, I guess. But like, you know, fantasy sequences because it's all in JD's head and he's imagining like silly s- happenings. Yeah. Side note. It's not surprising to me that you don't know My Wife and Kids because it's a black sitcom. Oh. You don't you you know very little. Of them. I know very little about those. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah, it's still that's all in his mind. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, no. From she, my side, I was like, eh, Elliot's not interested at all. She she agrees to go out with him until she changes her mind. And <laughs> well, they, was, they they do. There's a whole like the, I get it. No, the, I know. You know. In the first season, it's like they start dating and then it immediately blows up. It's mm. one of those things. It's like, man, they're they're not. Especially the people they are in season one here, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like they're overworked interns, they're underpaid, yeah, um, and they're just like there's so much pressure on yeah. both of them to to succeed as doctors that uh, they they can't they should not be in a relationship with anybody right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to grow, and they 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 give it a shot, and it doesn't work, and it's just like this long running thread throughout the whole show. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, something, that's something I enjoy about Scrubs too. Is like they're throughout the show, JD and Elliot both date different people. You yeah, know? and it's a kid, you can kind of like r- see what season it is just based on who they're dating at the time. <laughs> you know, like JD m- dates Mandy Moore for a while, a character played by Mandy Moore. Yes, I figured. <laughs> um, JD dates Elizabeth Banks for a while. Um, Elliot. Is dating like uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but Keith. He's like an intern, like a younger intern that she meets. Keith, mother freaking David. Uh, no, <laughs> she she dates a, a male nurse for a while. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it'll be interesting to like when you watch back to see how many toxic traits there are that you're like, yeah, no, yeah, it's no. <laughs> and uh, there's one last character we can meet, I guess. Is it the janitor? Yes. I'm, I'm waiting for someone. The door is broke. 
It'll be fifth time or so. It don't open. Maybe there's a penny stuck in there. Why a penny? I don't know. Did you stick a penny in there? No, I was just making small talk. If I find a penny in there, I'm taking you down. So uh, the janitor is just this weird. It was like, I think Bill, like the, the plan wasn't for the janitor to be a big character, but mm-hmm. Bill Lawrence just liked Neil Flynn so much that he just kept bringing him back. <laughs> um, and the jan- from this moment on, the janitor will torment JD to the end of the show. <laughs> it's just... And it's funny when I, because I, I jumped in mid-series, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like watching it. And just like the janitor's always there, just like coming up with weird schemes to antagonize JD. Tr- yeah, and you're like, why? What, what's the deal with this? And then finally, when I watched the first episode, I was like, over that. <laughs> and I still don't understand it. It's like you put a penny in there. It's like what? What? I don't understand that scene very much. Look. It takes very little for some people. Let's be honest, the janitor's probably a serial killer, so we're glad that he's hyper-focused on this and not murder. Yeah, he. I think there are scenes where like he's committing crimes in the, in the hospital. Uh, like, that's uh, why we have a lawyer. It's like I remember, like that he finds a secret. He 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 basically like removes a door to a a, a hospital room or a patient's room. And paints over the door oh, wow. to make it seem like it's like a, his hidden fortress where he oh. just, you know, plots. And yeah, schemes. just just you know, relax. It's just his personal room. Uh, it's not a janitor's closet; it's a janitor's room. Um, and he's got he has like a, a delivery man that, you know, his his buddy and huh. yeah. All right. There's like a there's a a little person that is also a janitor that he, he schemes with <laughs> later on. Um, but yeah, janitor. Uh, Does he have a name? He's the janitor. Okay. They they reveal his name at the, like the last episode, but uh, he is just the janitor. That's probably why he's so angry. <laughs> and I think that yeah. Uh, so it's common knowledge. It might not be to you, but uh, the janitor in the first season, if the show wasn't going to last beyond the first season, it was going to be revealed that janitor was just part of JD's imagination uh like because the first for the first season and a half the janitor only interacts with jd he doesn't interact with any other character in the show Hmm. and then as the show started to actually like go on and they're like oh wow okay so yeah this this series is going to be around for a little while we should really have the janitor interact with other people (laughs) and like turk is the first person he interacts with outside of jd Mm. in season two Hmm. yeah that's pretty interesting and this might be a good opportunity to talk about since it is the janitor and he's like maintain like doing maintenance mm-hmm. on this door. Something about Sacred Heart that they wanted to um the hospital. Yes. Something they wanted to get across is that Sacred Heart is constantly out of money. Yeah. And that's it's like it's a ramshackle Yeah. Uh it's a community hospital. It's a hospital that's just run down. You know, and that that fuels a lot of like, especially the decisions of Dr. Kelso, the chief of medicine. Mm -hmm. It's like we need to make money because we need to keep this hospital going. Yeah. But it constantly is in disrepair and they wanted to maintain that the whole show. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like it's not the best looking hospital. It's not super clean all the time. Yeah. Um, And you see that in the first episode. Mm -hmm. The the hospital is like grungy and dirty. Yeah. Uh, But also we were thinking about it and i had thought that this is the actual this is the same hospital building that they used throughout the whole series they just didn't construct it quite yet Mm -hmm. it's not the case in the pilot it's a different hospital huh like set yeah so 
the the hospital they used in the pilot is different from the one they used for the rest of the show, which was in which was the defunct North Hollywood Medical Center. Oh wow! Yeah, they just bought the building and that's yes. where they shot. That's pretty cool. No, no, they turned that hospital into a one stop shop for production. Huh. I have a bunch of facts about it that I want to read these these off to you. Do it. The production of Scrubs took complete control of the hospital with the existing hospital rooms reworked to be more production friendly. Mm. This involved knocking down various walls to create larger, more open spaces, such as the main ward and the communal areas like admissions, which did not originally exist. Additionally, other recurring locations were also built into the hospital, including JD and Turk's apartment, apartment. a bar they frequent, and Dr. Cox's apartment. The production team also constructed temporary sets as required. Also within the hospital, almost all of the team responsible for the show was housed within the hospital. This included the writer's room, Hmm. production and casting teams, and the actors. So the the actors, uh, like, they didn't have trailers. They had Mm -hmm. hospital rooms. So they just go in and decorate it on their own and So the janitor's room was the janitor's room. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Post-production was also handled in the building with an editing suite and a sound studio for ADR. Dang. So. That's pretty nifty. Can we upgrade our studio to that? Please? No. Uh, so that's kind of, that's the main cast of Scrubs. All right. Almost everyone's here. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, I feel like the first step, this first episode here does have a, a main plot. You know, we kind of getting pieces of it, but it's basically mm. just JD meeting new people and dealing with stuff on his first day. Yeah. You know, and his getting... And getting over his uh, nervousness and yeah. his, his fear of performing procedures. Yeah, I was gonna say his performance anxiety. Yeah, that's the that's that's the episode. JD's first day and performance anxiety. Um, there, but there are like character moments and the like, character drama throughout. You know, mm-hmm. mostly involving uh, Elliot. Yeah. So JD. They they go through rounds, right? And it's like it's like a quiz show. Mm-hmm. Doctor Kelso will ask the doctors questions, and they have to answer correctly. Right. You know, it's a learning thing. Uh, but Elliot kind of throws JD under the bus during one of the rounds, mm-hmm. right? Can you describe it? Oh well, because uh, earlier in the show, right? This is the the clip we just heard where she didn't know an answer. He fed it to her, and then uh, asked her out for dinner. And then we come back. JD has had a couple of. Um, mishaps were not being able to like insert an IV or do anything because he's like scared he's got that performance anxiety and now he's back during rounds and his mind is blank because he just feels like he can't do anything right and he looks at Elliot and for the answer and she's like I don't know and then he tells Dr. Kelso he doesn't know and then Dr. Kelso's like anyone else and Elliot gives the answer yeah so she throws him under the bus yeah uh, and they have like a, a tense moment in a, in a broom closet my first code. See, here's how it works. Someone's heart fails, they beep everyone. The first doctor in has to run the room, tell everyone what to do, basically decide if the patient lives or dies. What am I, crazy? Ha! Ew, chicken. I thought we cared about each other. Oh, please, if you didn't want to sleep with me, you would have done the same thing. Well, I'll tell you one thing, the last thing in the world I want to do is sleep with you now. <laughs> do me right here. Okay. See? Ah! So yeah, JD and Elliot, uh, they are hiding in this broom closet and there's more sexual tension between them. <laughs> but it's mostly like, well, nope. By the way, this this broom closet thing, um, hiding in the broom closet to avoid having to uh, go to uh, the, the, the emergency room or whatever. 
that is a real story told to the team <laughs> by Dr. Doris. So. I bet. I mean, like, especially the first time around, like, somebody's coding. I don't want to be there for that. And then another moment in the first episode here that kind of develops not, not just Elliot's character, but Carla's character. And this shows, like, Carla's, like, Carla rocks. Yeah. She gives a speech to Elliot. Yes. Uh, it's one of my favorite scenes in this whole first episode. Right, and it's well-deserved. I just hate it. I hate the darlings. I hate the sweethearts. You don't need to tell me how hard it is being a woman around here. Well, you're certainly furthering the cause by wearing a thong to work and hooking up in the on-call room. Word gets around. You talk like that. Do you even know my name? I spend every second of my life either here or taking care of my mom. So, yeah, maybe I needed a little closeness. I'm sure you never had a quickie at the club, right? Or snuck some skinny, flat-butted college boy up to your sorority room. And my thong? I happen to think it makes my ass look good. And some days, I need to feel good about something around here. And you judge me? Well, guess what? Word does get around Ms. Out for herself. So you can dump on everyone here if you want, but you will not hurt me. Mm. I mean, red for filth. And she deserved it. Like, oh, come on. Why are we doing this? Girls tearing down girls. Like, it's hard enough in this place. Stop it. But she was raised to be a boy. So as far as plot goes for the episode, um, something that Scrubs does is... As I've mentioned, it mixes comedy with drama. Right. You know, and sometimes it's just on a dime. It just becomes a dramatic twist. Yeah. So in this episode, uh, JD spends a lot of time with a, a, an elderly patient. You know, he's like wheelchairing him around. Kind mm -hmm. of a, you know, they, they build a rapport, you know, and JD's like, I just want to take care of you, man. You know, it's a very <laughs> touching thing. That patient just dies. Yeah. Off screen. And it's very like, oh, wow, Quick this is a hospital. Yeah. Where most of my, you know, patients are older, mm -hmm. you know, so it's just a wake up call for JD. He crashed. The attending thinks it was a pulmonary embolism. No way anyone could have caught it. Anyhow, you have to pronounce him. Why didn't anybody page me? Could you just pronounce him so I can go home? I'll never forget that moment. The way he looked exactly the same, only completely different. The shame that all I could think about was how hard this was for me. Time of death, 0200. I just wanted to help people. Sad. That's sad. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's when it's every episode of Scrubs, it seems like, has that moment where Oh man, things just got real. Every yeah, episode? Not every episode. A lot of episodes. Okay, I was then, like, that feels exhausting. No, and then, and then there'll be like a switch if there's like a montage where it's just kind of an emotional thing or the characters are, you know, or it's just like one of those things where JD will kind of like sum up his day and it's just mm -hmm. like, here's what I learned today, you know, and like JD has learning experiences aren't just fun. They're, you know, can be emotional too. Right. And I think that's what this, that's what set this show apart from other sitcoms of the period where this show is allowed to be a bit more raw and real, mm -hmm. you know, because they're, 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 they're in a hospital. Yeah. People are going to die or get hurt or. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, it's the reality of it. And that they're injecting that in the comedy show is, you know, it's novel. Like yeah. I, I think you see it more now, maybe in sitcoms. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of sitcoms, but I'm sure you don't. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, especially nineties sitcoms, you didn't see a lot of, Oh wow. We just turned into a drama for a second, you know, especially not the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like two seasons deep. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the, 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 they don't stop coming. You should say. <laughs> the hits? Uh, yeah, there's another point where Jaden. Oh, uh, you and your Shrek agenda, get it out of here. Uh, so uh, JD and Turk have a have a moment as well because the whole episode is JD is scared and he thinks that Turk is not scared. Right. You know, Turk's taking it with stride. Hey, yo, I lied before, man. I'm scared every second. Really? It's a good thing they make surgical masks because if they didn't, everyone would know that my face is like this the whole time. <laughs> well, I think it's okay to be scared. I don't need you to tell me that every once in a while, man. He needs me. Anyway. I just came to check up on you. See how you're doing. Ask him to move in again. You know, Turk, the offer still stands if you want to. Dude, I already took the keys out your bag. I love you. <laughs> it's guy love. That's all it is. <laughs> Goodness. They're so, it's so cute. I don't know why they even had the subplot of like, I'm moving out. Like, mm. I guess it's just to add to the like. Insecurity, insecurity of, of JD, it, yeah. yeah, perfectly. But like, yeah, you know, the the true thing. Like, even those who feel who seem the most confident aren't always. Yeah, so it's just a nice touching moment. There, yeah, there. and then there's two scenes back to back where JD learns, as we mentioned, things aren't what they seemed at first. Right. You know, and he he has an interaction with Doctor Kelso that goes swimmingly. You get the double turn, the rare. TV double turn in wrestling parlance. Sir, do you do you think I could skip just this one? Why, sure, sport. See? Every story needs a good guy. In fact, why don't you just head on home? You look kind of tired. I am pretty tired. Dr. Doran, do you not realize that you're nothing but a large pair of scrubs to me? For God's sake, the only reason I carry this chart around is so I can pretend to remember your damn names. Now look, if the patient has insurance, you treat them. If they don't, you show them the door. And if somebody dies, you get the autopsy. You get it by rounds tomorrow morning or I'll be scratching your name off my chart. Are we clear? Answer me. Crystal clear. And that is the real Dr. Kelso. Yeah. The man all along. <laughs> and that's he becomes the, the basically like the the low key villain of the show. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like not always antagonism. Like sometimes he's just a goofy old man. <laughs> he calls uh, Chris Turk Turkleton a lot. Turkleton. Hello there, Turkleton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has he has powerful thighs. Apparently, he can Ooh. he can jump these days in Korea. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but uh, yeah, Doctor Kelso is basically like, and I heard it's like also a, a critique of the American health system oh, you know because yeah, like to him it's like i need to keep this hospital afloat so if they i don't, can make my ka-ching-ching -ching. if they don't have insurance kick them out yeah you know it's just kind of cutthroat and horrible but that is yeah healthcare in america yeah Ugh. <laughs> and reformation then, can i say that <laughs> and then uh jd asks an important question if he's the bad guy then who's the good guy carla i don't get it if he's the jerk then who's the good guy? The car accident crashed in the elevator on the way up. We gotta relieve the pressure in his chest. JD, do it. Oh God, no. Look at me. You can do this. And I believed him. Chest soup tray. You know, kinda. Come on, baby, let's go. Chop, chop. You can do this. You have to do this. JD, cut him or lose him. Give me the tube. 
can't get it through the floor. Well, don't be gentle. Get it in there. Okay, connect it, please, Carla. Normal rhythm. <laughs> no way. Hey, it's a piece of cake. It's your patient. You're leaving? That's your patient, doctor. We got two JDs and a doctor in that interaction. Sure did. So, yep, that is the the rare turn for Dr. Cox where he, you know, reels his true colors, takes the mask off, and, like, he is a caring person Yeah. underneath the facade. Yeah. But then you go back to where he's about to pack JD on the back, and it's just like, he's, like, fighting himself, and he doesn't want to do it. So. <laughs> it's, like, too much intimacy. Yeah. I am not friend. That's that's basically it. Yeah. For for Scrubs, you know, JD. Episode one. As mo every episode of Scrubs, he, he kind of wraps up the episode, tells everybody what he's learned, and uh, it's like the end of a diary entry. Yeah. So I guess that's it for now. 31 hours, 12 minutes, and I am... You finally off? Almost. I have one more really annoying thing I gotta do. If you're talking about getting the Bursky autopsy, I already called the family for you, and they said fine, and to thank you, and I'm sorry. They didn't say that last part, I did. The worst part was knowing right then that I could never forgive her. I forgive her. You see, I can't survive on my own. I'm a dork. I'm a dork. I'm a dork. Even now, when I finally get to go home, in the back of my head, I'll know the hospital's still here, wide awake. Bambi, get out while you still can. But what the hell? The most important thing is that I got through my first three days without looking like a complete idiot. I'm the man. <laughs> he ran into a... Door. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's how the episode started, too. It's like, I'm the man. <laughs> Yep. I'm no Superman. He's no Superman. <laughs> that is Scrubs. Yeah. Would you recommend it? Yeah, why not? I, I would too. I, I mean, obviously. It's yeah, your I love show. I love Scrubs. Uh, and I think it's a great show. And even if you haven't seen it, I think you'll you can go back and watch it and enjoy it. You know, health healthcare system hasn't changed that much, mm, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. But like it's like any workplace sitcom where it's like you can still relate to the the interpersonal relationships. Right presented in the show it's like their struggle is everybody's struggle you know yeah like jd has a hard day at work and it's like yeah we have all had those depending yeah. whatever industry you're in so i love scrubs highly recommend highly but where did scrubs go from here yeah, what did the world think dang it scrubs received universal critical acclaim throughout its first eight seasons we'll talk about season nine in a second <laughs> uh with praise going to its cast characters humor especially JD's fantasy sequences. Mm. Entertainment Weekly, for example, called the show a, quote, likable, daffy, buoyant series that would be a big, annoying mess if it weren't done just right. Scrubs is the very definition of nimble. What does daffy mean? Maybe like daffy duck. Like yeah. Wacky. Huh. Okay. IGN, meanwhile, called Scrubs, quote, the must-see comedy on TV, praising the tone, humor, fantasy sequences, and Braff's performance. Good job. The Truth About Nursing, which checks the realism of television series, gave Scrubs a nursing rating of 1.5 out of 4 stars. Oh, wow. But an artistic rating of 3 out of 4 stars. Okay. Saying that, quote, despite the nasty and surreal elements, its characters are not above learning and growing as they try to cope with the very real stresses of life and death at the hospital. That's fair. However, the reviewer said, quote, the show's portrayal of nursing has been less than impressive. That's fair. You don't see a lot of nurses. Scrubs received 17 Emmy nominations in categories such as casting, cinematography, directing, editing, and writing. 
It only won two, though. Outstanding multi-camera picture editing for a series in 2005 and outstanding sound mixing for a comedy or drama series half hour in 2007. That's very specific. But all right. Well-deserved. Zach Braff was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor in a Television Series, Comedy, or Musical three times. Oh, wow. And the show won three Humanitas Awards and a Peabody Award. All right. There you go. Well-decorated. And where did Scrubs go from here? Where did Scrubs go from here? Scrubs ran nine seasons of 182 episodes. Um, That's a lot of nuts. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like standout episodes. I think it's 100th episode is like very good. It's the uh, Wizard of Oz episode. Never heard of it. JD is Dorothy. The only episode I know are the two-parter with Brendan Fraser. That's it. Yeah, I was going to say, if there is an episode with Brendan Fraser guest starring, you should probably seek those episodes out. They're (laughs) extremely powerful. Yeah, that's yeah. the only episode of Scrubs I've seen outside of the pilot. The Brandon Frazier episodes are very good. Uh, there's the episode where Michael J. Fox guest stars as a doctor with OCD. Ah. It's very good. I like those ones. Um, but yeah, Brandon Frazier, I feel, is is a stamp of quality on Scrubs. Yeah. People highlight the musical episode. I bet. I'm not the biggest. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the musical episode. You but. don't like musicals in general. I loved that the '90s had musical episodes in almost every sitcom or drama. Buffy has a musical episode. So did the X Files. Yeah, like everything had one. Uh, the show's seventh season was halted by the 2007 writer's strike, um. leaving seven of 18 planned episodes unfinished. Ooh. Yep, uh, I was a sophomore in high school when the seventh season aired and then stopped airing. Mm. And I didn't know why. It's just like one one week, there was just no scrubs. So yeah. I went on the internet and looked it up and discovered that there was a huge writer strike that year where produ- all production on it, basically all television shows at that time, and yeah. then movies releasing the next summer were just Ooh. like stopped, yeah. halted. And um, that year for... Uh, 10th grade English class, we had to do basically our own, we had to write an essay just like, we basically just like the Times person of the year, mm-hmm. you know, Time Magazine's person of the year, each student had to select a person of the year uh, and then write an essay on why that's justified. Right. And I chose the Writers Guild of America <laughs> and specifically because it halted everything. Yep. Yeah. What was the okay? So I don't. I know of the writer strike, but I know is it just like were all writers being paid terribly and being? It had to do with writers' residuals from new media, Mm. internet streaming, because a lot of websites had just started streaming for the first Uh, time, and you know, writers weren't getting their cut. I think they were maybe even DVDs too. Like so, like the the company, the network would sell it to these sites, but then nothing. Well, yeah, they would basically. And this was this was before Netflix Mm -hmm. like really took off. Each network had their own website, and Mm -hmm. you could just stream episodes of TV straight from the website. So they were running ads on these websites, maybe Hulu, Um, um, and the writers were seeing none of it. Oh, yeah. So basically, I believe mostly it was a. It was a way for writers in Hollywood to uh, renegotiate deals in the streaming age. Okay. In the new media age. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad everybody was on board for that. Yep. It was uh, a terrible year for TV, but. Yeah, yeah. You, you got like, you know, talk sh- real reality shows and talk shows like really blossomed from yeah. the writer's strike. And then the next year, all the summer blockbusters were unfinished. <laughs> Yeah. And you could tell that they were hastily threw together without a, a real script. Yeah. Like, uh, 
I know you X Men Wolverine, X Men Origins Wolverine. Love it. Uh, Transformers Two. Didn't see it. Quantum of Solace. All unfinished films that went to post. Yeah. Unfinished scripts that became finished films. Yeah. Mm. Amid doubt that NBC would even bring the show back once the strike ended, ABC announced that it had negotiated to bring Scrubs back for a full eighth season on its own network. All so right. That I was mean, the, the, jump, the jump from NBC to ABC yeah. in the eighth season. The 18-episode eighth season aired in 2009 as a mid-season replacement with the last full-hour episode, My Finale, huh. meant to serve as the series finale. And it's a pretty good episode. It's just like a lot of fan service. Yeah. The real Jonathan Doris oh, appears. Yep. That's so cool. For a for a quick cameo, I guess. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's like a whole season. Like at the end of the episode, JD is like, this is my last day at Sacred Heart. And I, I feel so like I, I feel like it's it wasn't this big bombastic, you know, celebratory. Ce- yeah, it wasn't a celebratory thing for me. It was just another day at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the last fantasy sequence of the series is him walking down the hallway to the exit, and he sees every guest star oh, to wow. appear from the show, like every major guest star, including Brendan Fraser. I believe he was Dang. in there. Yeah, all walking down, like clapping for him as he's leaving. But it's just Money. a fantasy sequence. Money. <laughs> yeah. Coinciding with the eighth season. A webisode series called Scrubs Interns was launched on ABC, focusing on season eight's medical intern characters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Webisodes. Webisodes is still a thing. Now they're just shows. And here's where things take a turn. For the gritty and the nitty? ABC and Bill Lawrence announced that the show had been renewed for a ninth season, albeit set in a medical school rather than at Sacred Heart and with a largely new cast. Mm. Eliza Coop, Carrie Bechet, Michael Mosley, and Dave Franco starred in this new season alongside the returning Donald Faison and John C. McKinley. Hmm. So Turk and Dr. Cox right. were uh, instructors at a medical school, and all these new characters were med students. Zach Braff, Sarah Chalk, Ken Jenkins, and Neil Flynn made a few guest appearances. Okay. And JD officially like passes the baton off to a new... JD. A new character, yeah. A new Shirley. Yeah, it's, it's her, Eliza Coop plays this new character. Ah. And it's like, season nine has its problems. You know, mm. it's it's not the same show. It's very different. It's kind of just off-putting, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, the humor's still there. And eventually, I grew to like the new characters. Like, I liked Dave Franco's character quite a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just like this snarky, cocksure type of med student, you know, rich kid know-it-all type and right. it's like you know you, you grow to love him uh but it's people i'm sure were just like this is not scrubs yeah you know? was, and i think most people agree it was probably misguided to even try mm-hmm. but they tried they tried new scrubs no scrubs no scrubs i don't want no scrubs season nine of scrubs ran for 13 episodes and was met with mixed reviews the show was officially canceled in 2010 oh that wasn't too long ago like four years <laughs> It's the same year I graduated high school. Zach Braff, Sarah Chalk, Judy Reyes, John C. McGinley, and Neil Flynn reprised their roles from Scrubs in 2002's It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas Movie. Oh my goodness. Did you watch it? I have not seen that. Do you want to watch it? It's just, I'm curious. Yeah. Maybe I'll put it up on Twitter. (laughs) And Zach Braff, Sarah Chalk, Ken Jenkins, and various other Scrubs cast members appeared in the ABC sitcom Cougar Town. Oh. Also created by Bill Lawrence. Well. Uh, There's your... Your, your community and Scrubs connection because yeah. Abed guest appears in Cougar Town. Oh, 
yeah, because he loves Cougar Town. So, yeah. It's this whole cinematic universe, television <laughs> universe. Uh, because, yeah, Bill Lawrence created Cougar Town, and it stars characters that would have, were also cast members on Scrubs. So it's very much like the next has the step. Scrubs DNA in Cougar mm. Town. And in 2020, Zach Braff and Donald Faison launched a Scrubs-themed podcast called Fake Doctors, Real Friends, <laughs> in which they rewatch every episode of the show and provide behind-the-scenes details. Oh. I listened to the first episode of that after we watched the pilot, and that's where I got a lot of information for this <laughs> podcast today. Hey. Yeah, it's really good and made, like, just listening to them. They have, like, it's clear they are literally best friends. <laughs> it's just them. You know, like, it seems like J they are JD and Turk, uh, like, just a bit more profane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach Braff has a bit of a potty mouth. Oh, dear. But yeah, it's like extremely entertaining. And it's just like it made me want to go and rewatch the show with uh, and then listen, and then to, the listen podcast. to the podcast yeah. after that feels right up your alley. But that is Scrubs. Hey. So I was trying to think what I wanted to end this segment with as far as music goes. And it's like I could I almost went with uh, I either Guy Love oh, <laughs> from gosh. the musical episode. It's like, yeah, not really. Uh, I thought maybe the phrase uh, how to save a life. Uh, to save a lot. That yeah. was that was featured in an episode, and it you know it fits yeah. with the medical theme. But I'm gonna go instead with the song that was featured in the first Scrubs episode I ever saw. That is "More Than a Feeling" by Boston. Oh my gosh! So let's go. We'll close out with that, and we'll be back after the break with Jess's show of 2001. Uh, see you on the other side, kids. Coming to NBC. Don't look at me when we're moving somewhere. Three new doctors learning by doing. Moving on. Make no mistake, they're not idiots. They're just new. It's a good thing they make surgical masks, because if they didn't, everyone would know that my face is like this the whole time. Scrubs, coming this fall to NBC. Ricky Martin, we're coming in with. <laughs> she bangs, she bangs. Has that flavor? Oh, baby, sacred, sacred, <laughs> drives me crazy. It has that Latin flavor. Yeah, on a Spanish absolutely. guitar. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that is the song "Reckless Fire" by uh, Yasuaki Ide. 
from, from Jess's show of 2001. What's that show? <laughs> we both say it two different ways. My right, my way is correct. Debuting July 4th, 2001. Happy Independence Day. Uh, on TV Tokyo. Directed by Goru Taniguchi. Written by Yosuke Kuroda. And produced by Sunrise. That is... Skreed. 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 That the show is Skreed. <laughs> We're talking about it following Scrubs. <laughs> they start this is the our same way. Episode. Skreepisode. <laughs> <laughs> it's our Skreepisode. <laughs> Very special Skreepisode. Oh man. Oh Skreed. I'd never heard of it before. Me neither. Why did we watch this? You tell me. I've never seen this show before. Don't lie to me. <laughs> the, the fight I've, I've had to have. watch too much anime for 2001 already. That's fair. Um, yo, once we get to our runners up, this will make a lot of sense. But your girl was deep into animated stuff. She liked her some anime. And and like. Even if it wasn't all good. And in like mid 2000s, uh, Adult Swim was just mining whatever anime they can get their hands on. Yep. So every anime released between like, you know, let's say 95 to 2005 yep. was being localized for Adult Swim at this time. I'm just a wanderer that I am. But th that's the thing. There's like, you know, more than five years difference between those two shows. Yes. The, the, the show we're talking about today and Roroni Kenshin. Yes. And, and other, even it, 10 years between this and Dragon Ball Z. Over 10 years. I literally yeah. also watched Big O on this. Like, you know, I've like, and Dragon Ball, all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah Look, but, but it's, we it's, just put whatever we wanted all of No. This being said, Adult Swim is where I watched uh, Seven Fists of Death. Fist of the North Star. Fist of the North Star. This was all in the same block for me. But it, so it's funny that America, like, because of Adult Swim Toonami, we got all of this anime that was like decades apart mm -hmm. and we all got it within the same, you know, five, ten years. So so to us, it was like all the same, you know, it was all the same. It was just all released at the same time. It was just, you know, all yeah. the same era, even though there's years and years separating some of this stuff. Yeah, it's the same way I feel about Disney, like Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty and Moana all came out around the same period <laughs> in my brain. OK, not Moana, but like Ariel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're a little kid, that's kind of how it feels. Yeah, yeah I get it. But you know, tell, tell us, what is Scryde? Why did you watch it so much? It's an anime um, about <laughs> alters. They're, they're like superheroes. They're like... They're uh, mutants. They're like they're, they, That's really... They're, they're mutants in this like almost post-apocalyptic world. It is kind of post-apocalyptic, but it's mostly like there's a section of Japan. A ghetto, yes. if you will. If you will, or if you won't, that's what it is. Um, and uh, people are the the people, the rich, the rich and better off are like, keep that trash over there. Unless they got magic, then put them down like dogs. <laughs> or, or employ them as our secret police. Yes. It's really about magic people uh, fighting magic people, either for themselves and their independence or fighting because the boss man says to do it. Yep. Uh, where did you discover Scryde? Uh, I went swimming once with some adults. <laughs> I watched adults swim a lot. <laughs> so it just yeah, no, it was just it was just adults. Hey, you know how we said at the beginning of this, I was just you know the oldest 
and my mom was tired and my dad was away for another man's war. Look, nobody told me to go to sleep. Adult Swim was my jam. You were lucky I wasn't watching like freaking Cinemax at night. Just saying, there were worse things that I could have been watching. Yeah, so you just, whatever was on Toonami and Adult Swim yeah. you were watching. Yeah, I was down. I was down for everything. I like... We'll get to it in the runners up. I was really about to be like Prince of Tennis. Like all of these things were my jam. Like, There's nothing about Scride in particular that like stuck out to you more than other anime. I think. Okay. Here's the thing, right? Like if it was that anime that we thought it was because Wikipedia got it wrong. Like I could be like, yeah, the story was amazing. It was art. I just think that I was like the art was interesting and the story itself was like, I don't know. There was something about the story that was just kind of like. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Where are we going with this? Ah, and it's, it was not necessarily like there was intrigue in it and there was like betrayal and learning stuff. I can't remember off the, I can't like in depth remember because I watched so much anime, but I did watch this all the uh, way through, all the way through. And I did watch it another time, maybe all the way through, like mostly all the way through just skipping episodes. That I was like, mm, filler kind of thing. Um, it was just interesting. It was something that I hadn't necessarily seen before even in the other animes that i was watching fair it's fair i can dig it i was yeah i have no history with the show it's the first yeah. time i've ever seen it yeah i uh, and it was tell know, me about your reaction upon watching uh, it for the first barely time barely remember it <laughs> <laughs> it was the most disposable anime i've ever seen like derivative uh by the numbers action anime I like mean, there's nothing special about the show as far as i'm concerned let me be honest the pilot is real weak <laughs> It is. I can't necessarily remember point by point a lot of different things that happened in the show, but uh, that pilot was weak. I was just like, I, I, oh, I know that character. What's going on? What's go I know that character. It was like. Mm. <laughs> I will point out every element that I say. Another anime did it better. Mm. You know, like we'll watch it and like, yeah, th th watch this instead. Or I enjoyed. You know, I saw this already and it was better in this show. You don't even anime how many animes can that's, you say that's what i'm saying as someone who is a, a very casual anime viewer there were i could pinpoint better anime that do did it either before or better than scryed would you call yourself a casual anime otaku guru I, anime guy i used to be an anime otaku <laughs> <laughs> oh no shout out to otakon don't you want to talk want to talk about where uh, scryed came from sure all right. It came from Japan. It did. Moving on. <laughs> As we talked about in our 1998 TV episode, a Japanese animation studio Sunrise, founded in 1972, had built a 20-plus year television dynasty, notably on the back of popular robot anime like Mobile Suit Gundam, The Vision of Escaflone, and Cowboy Bebop. Boop, 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 boop. We watched Cowboy Bebop. All the way through. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we've watched the whole show. But 98 TV episode, if you want to hear us talk about Cowboy Bebop. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of a lot of the history about Sunrise, I list out there. Yes. Scryde was conceived by Sunrise director and storyboard director Goro Taniguchi. While he was directing the 1999 series Infinite Rivius. You, you're familiar with that one? No. Rivius is spelled R. Y V I U S. No. Rivius. Rivius. Even less familiar. Okay. Well, that's that was his claim to fame. Okay. Taniguchi reportedly wanted to create another series that would contain themes similar to Rivius, such as themes of communication and individualism, 
as well as new ones centered mostly on how people had adapted to the 21st century. Hmm. This is an anime for the first... An anime for the 21st century. Oh, we'll show it at the World Circus. <laughs> the World's Fair. That's what I meant. <laughs> Bring us into the 21st century. <laughs> A bicentennial man. Come, look at my TV. Ugh. The title Scride had been devised when the project was in its early phases of production. It was originally meant to be a temporary name only. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the title is a combination of an English and Japanese words. Hmm. The first, this, is, this is so Japanese, <laughs> such Japanese wordplay stuff. The first lowercase s is represented by the Japanese word su, which means something in its natural form and not artificial. Okay. Cry, English, mm-hmm. to, to cry. <laughs> and the last ed represents a person. Combined, sukraidu, sukraidu. Natural crying person? I don't know. <laughs> Natural crying person. Combined as sukraidu, the Japanese studio staff wanted it to express the idea of how people react or interact when they are in their most natural state. Okay. <laughs> right over my head. All right. But yeah. That I'm end- like even thinking through, I mean, I guess, like I'm thinking through some moments that I remember from the show. Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't uh, know, man. But uh, you know, be, you know, God bless him. <laughs> I guess. And God that, and that na- bless you, Kaidu. That that name stuck, so that's the name of the show. But it's it's when it was uh, uh, localized for American audiences, it's just scryed. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's, it's like a magic thing to scry. It's in D and D. You can yeah. scry. You can yeah, but that's spelled with a Y typically. This is spelled with a Y. Not there. Oh, okay. <laughs> the head writer of Scryed was Yosuke Kuroda who had worked alongside Tanaguchi on Infinite Rivius and had served as head writer on the anime series Trigun and Excel Saga. Just, I, just to name a few. I do love Trigun. And I've seen a bit of Excel Saga. I thought it was okay. It's very, uh, if I'm if I'm remembering right, it was like that one was like very dialogue heavy. The dialogue was just like fast and furious. Uh, I don't think you would like Trigun. It's slow-ish, but there's a lot of like dialogue, a lot. Uh, in that kind of manner. And I think you wouldn't really like where it went, but I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. Scride's music was composed by Kotaro Nakagawa, who only had a few credits before the show debuted, including on the anime series Kiko-chan's Smile <laughs> and the anime special Geo-Breeders. I don't, I don't like the word breeders in a show. <laughs> Shout out to Geo-Breeders. Nope. Nope. Nakagawa would go on to become a frequent collaborator of director Goro Tanaguchi, as well as a prolific composer for the Super Sentai and Common Rider series. Woo! He's a Power Ranger boy. Power Ranger man. <laughs> as mentioned in our 98 TV episode, Sunrise had 10 studios by the time of Scride's development, all working concurrently to produce an average of three shows a year. That's a like the, a full show? Yeah. Oof. Scride was worked on by both Studio 4, best known for the Ultraman anime, and Code Gaze? Code Gaius. Gaius? Gaius? Mm-hmm. And Studio 7, best known for Sacred 7 and Yusha. Inuyusha? Just Yusha. <laughs> so, and that, that's all I got for Scride. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it, it, it sounds like when you get to the end, it's going to have like lots of awards 
and uh, it's gonna do not, pretty well. Uh, yeah, yeah. In Japan, sure. <laughs> I have some theories on that one, but well, let's talk about the episode we watched. We watched okay. the first episode of Scryed. It was called Kazuma, mm-hmm. named after the main character. Yes, and that's the only name I'm gonna remember. So don't ask <laughs> I, me to I've, introduce anybody. That's fine. I've got I've got <laughs> their names written down. I had to look them up too because I was just like, oh, you know, girl, girl. <laughs> grandpa, <laughs> friend. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rival. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, before we talk about Kazuma, the main character, Kazuma, Kazuma. Yes. There we go. Kazuma. Before we talk about Kazuma, uh, let's talk about the setting of uh, Scryed. So the, the show is set, we talked about, essentially a ghetto. It's in Japan, right? Mm-hmm. It's on an island in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like a, a sub division of japan it's like, like an island in japan has mm-hmm. now been sectioned off as a place called the lost ground yeah and like some kind of catac- cataclysmic thing happened and yeah it turned people into altars what they're called they're essentially mm-hmm. mutants and they have magic powers yes they have superpowers um and like I, I guess the people there are like they're they're poor they're destitute they work in like quarries and stuff it seems like mm-hmm. am, am i am i getting that right yeah yeah, okay, okay. it's more or less. And correct. that's where Kazuma lives. Yes. Um, let's hear a little bit of guys talk about the the state of the lost ground. and uh, We watched alt- the dub version. Yes, we did. And uh, we'll hear them talk about the, uh, the, the altar users, what they're called. What the hell happened here? They didn't tell you about altar users on the main island? Of course, sir, but the investigation method for altar crimes is... Forget about your investigation methods. It's a whole different ball game out here. We just lend our assistance. But I thought that... So, how's a chief? He appears to have come through it all unharmed. So the chief is rescued and we catch the scumbags. <laughs> well, we better get back. Huh? We can leave the rest of this to the professionals. Professionals? So uh, those are just like two local police officers who are there to... Basically, they're, they're looking over a crime scene mm-hmm. or like what's... Like what? What happened? Like what's the the in, the, in, the somebody insti- basically de- demolished a building, and they're like, "Well, this was an altar because uh, a person was seen doing this." But like, it was an altar who's I guess a bounty, not a hunter, but a bounty filler. He's a like a, he's of like a van, like a vigilante. Yeah, no, for hire. He, yeah, for hire. So like a mercenary. Sure. Um, and I guess the police chief had been taken and tied up for ransom at the top of this building, and he was like. Yeah, I'm going to demolish it and take the chief with me. Yeah. And he got the job done. So this unnamed hero, we don't even know who he is. He like, you know, is able to jump from the ground onto an airplane and then launch himself at this building and he rescues the police chief. Yeah. And leaves the, the, I guess the, the, the gang that kidnapped the chief, like just laid out, you know, like Spider-Man would or something. Spider-Man would do that. Batman would do. Batman. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Uh, can I say just off topic of uh, the the show itself? A- anime voice actors of the of the early two thousands and the aughts, they're all the same one because you know the same There's jobs gonna... are going to the same dubs. Cool, but the one voice, not the like rough lieutenant guy who's like ah, so the chief gets saved, and the other guy, the flat reed, he's in yeah. almost everything. Yes, sir. It's not even that he's like, he's got a, a hitch in his voice. It's just he reads his lines with the weirdest dictation. Like, 
well, sir, I think that uh, this looks like a job for, you know, like, why? Why is this why? But he's got so many jobs. He's in every anime. I assume there's just like, we got to get this dub out the door. Like, you know, one take only. Let's get it going. And there is a lot of returning talent from other anime that yeah. we've t watched for, for Media Made. So you're going to hear the same voices and a bunch of other voices you recognize from popular anime of the time. Yeah. So speaking of Batman and Spider-Man, I guess like um, the magazine and America at one point interviewed uh, Goro Tanaguchi, the director, about like his influences for Scride. Mm -hmm. And he was asked, were you influenced by Western superheroes like Spider-Man or Batman specifically? <laughs> and he said, no, he was inspired by other works he had produced for Sunrise. <laughs> that was his answer. I am my inspiration. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But it's like, there is there is a bit of, like, I, I don't know, man. I think he's being coy because there is a bit of, and maybe and he's not the writer either. Mm -hmm. Maybe the writer, like, was influenced by these Western superheroes because there's X-Men. Yeah. There's a bit of X-Men. There's a bit of Batman. There's a bit of Spider-Man. Yeah. Because Cosimo is, he's very quippy, like Spider-Man would be. Yeah. I don't I mean, well, I mean, Power Rangers are all very quippy, too. True, true. So I think like, there's, there's there, definitely some Sentai there, in there as well. There are definitely influences. I could totally get behind this guy being like going, being interviewed by Anne America and being like, no, you guys are not the be all end all of creativity. <laughs> we have good ideas. Like I'm sure there was definitely influences because we're all influenced by someone or something, right? Like what's that saying? There's no original ideas. They're all just derivative Recycled, works. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I'm like, hey, yeah, I love me some derivative work. Yeah, no, it's, but, it's fine. As long as you're doing um, something new with it. And they, yeah. they kind of are presenting like it's, you know, it's, it's not, this particular one is not new enough for you. <laughs> no, well, like, the setting is, is a very like, yeah. it's a Japanese centric setting yeah. at least, you know, so it feels kind of, they're making it their own. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying, it's derivative because it's ripping off Spider-Man or ripping off X-Men yeah, because it's not. Agreed. But it has similar elements. Yeah. Um, and then in that clip, they, uh, I guess those are two authority figures were saying, well, right, let's leave it to the professionals, right? And it's like, who are the professionals? Children. Children. You've done good work. And if you come up with anything else, make sure you send it to Holy. Yes, ma'am, of course. I, uh... <laughs> hey, lighten up. Don't be so serious. Think fast. There, see what I mean? Oh, right. Uh, sorry, sir. Who's that? She looks like some kid. She's an altar user. Huh? Don't judge these kids around here by their looks. You have to assume they're altar users and dangerous. <sighs> the only way to deal with an altar user is with another altar user. Don't forget, this ain't the mainland. It's been this way here for 22 years since something snapped during the Great Uprising. This is the lost ground. Twenty-two. <laughs> so yeah, that that the the girl character played by like someone from Digimon, like yeah, the, the sister from Digimon. No, I don't think it was Kari. I think it was the uh, the one with the hat, the the Violet character. No, no, he she plays definitely uh, the the sister in in Digimon because she was the she was a narrator in the second Digimon movie. Okay. Or the first like the first the first Digimon movie, the second segment. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah. No, that's definitely the lady from Digimon. Okay. But I believe you. I, one, I can't hear her. Like, her voice sounds ridiculous in this <laughs> in this show because, like, she looks like, like yes, this character looks like a little girl. Mm -hmm. Sort of. Like a, like a teenage girl, I guess. Yeah. But, like, she doesn't, her, that, that lady's voice is just too high-pitched. <laughs> Cutesy. It does yeah, not fit this character. They should have switched this voice actress with the, like, Kazuma's sister friend. Maybe. 
Either way, whatever. Hello there. You know, it's like it's too much. Hi, Cosima. Rather than like, hi, Cosima. Sure. <laughs> um, but that character's name is, I'm going to butcher this, Scaris Ed Johnny. Scaris Ed Johnny? Yeah. Charizard. Sharis? <laughs> I don't. I have no idea, but she is a member of Holy, mm-hmm. which is a subgroup of Hold. Yes. <laughs> which are essentially like the secret police yes. run by altar users that are there to. I, are they tracking down other altar users? Yes. Unregistered, uh, and unemployed, unenslaved altar users. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, they're the villains of the show, I assume. I think the people in power are the villains of the show, but they are so, the so main Hol- Holy's not the top of the te- the no okay no they're the main antagonists, especially for this part. But that's one of those things, right? Like even like hearing you talk about uh, the intention behind the name is to like see what we are all at our base, like so the altars that you meet, like um, Charizard. And the dude you see at the end for one second and some other people, like, they slowly get their uh, conceptions, their... Like preconceptions? Yeah, know? their preconceptions challenge, their ideals that have kind of been drilled into them because they've been raised <laughs> much like clones in this new... They're, in- ma- they're manipulated. Yeah, into, like, a lot of thought process and just, like... A lot of it gets challenged um, as the show goes on. So it's not that they're like, we're the bad guys, but it's antagonism because they've they've got, you know, choices to make. And the choices have already always been given to them. They haven't necessarily had to make choices for themselves. That's fair. Uh, you, you don't get any of that from this. First no, episode. absolutely not. Yeah, it's a just... terrible first pi- episode. <laughs> you're just like you hear this like little girl talk. and You're just like, who is this? What are you talking about? Why is she so ah. weird? Yeah. And she's like very odd. Yeah. Like, playful. Yeah. It's very yeah. it's a little off putting, yeah. And you're and I was so confused for the first like ten minutes of this episode. <laughs> I, I didn't understand what happened in the opening <laughs> sequence. I did not understand what these people were talking about. It was so weird. Yeah. Um and o- only after finishing the episode and then watching it again a second time did I understand what was happening in these opening scenes. Because mm-hmm. it's like both exposition heavy but also not clear on the events that are taking place yeah. in the moment, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like both not telling me enough and then telling me too much <laughs> on top of it. It's like, I just need to know how to cook this thing, but you're explaining me how to fix a lawnmower. That's not the, that's not the information I'm looking for. Yeah. I was like, I, I need, I need to be like firmly rooted in the present before you can start the world building. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, yes. uh, the thing that got me a little bit more invested was uh, the main character. Kazuma, who mm-hmm. we meet, uh, and he, he described Kazuma. Red. Is his hair red? I don't know. I thought I it was just like feels a... very red. His personality feels red, doesn't it? Like a, like a no. He's just like he's like a cocky red. <laughs> he's a young dude who's like clearly trying to be tougher than he actually is. No, he's pretty tough, but he's got like a soft compassionate side yeah Um, and he's also very goofy yeah he's a swaggerer he's got a lot of swagger yeah but he's he has a he he has a very stock anime oh yeah personality like i feel like he you know he he fits he's protagonist yeah he's like he's like yuffie from one piece or uh even spike from cowboy bebop not as cool not as cool uh he's got a little bit of goku in him yeah he's like very foolish and sometimes (laughs) 
yeah childish you know naive sometimes a little goku's the worst though um yeah ah yeah i just i yep i think that's a good description of him and speaking of uh spike from cowboy bebop he is also uh kazuma is played by steve blum the same man who plays spike from cowboy bebop and a bunch of other anime the robot from uh toonami steve blum oh yeah steve blum the voice of toonami (laughs) steve got good work let's meet kazuma been fighting again kazuma work i was just working don't you go lying to me hmm? you did better than usual just a reward for helping out you're not getting yourself into anything illegal now are you hmm? huh? hey what's up where's your dad uh, he got injured at the site so he's home in bed really your dad's pretty cool isn't he mm. you like him a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> you're a good kid <laughs> see you later you keep working hard, kid. As if you've ever worked. Uh, I don't believe I, I cut any of that out, like cut that down or anything <laughs> like that. I'm pretty sure that's just how the scene went. And yeah. it, just listening to it, I was like, it's very odd transitions between these. You're just like, characters are saying things to each other, but they don't quite match up just right. You know? You're One, my favorite pizza place. <laughs> it sounds like the room. Yeah. Good doggy. You're my favorite customer. That's right. Um, like, You've been fighting a gay Cosima? Your dad's pretty cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank- mm-hmm. Like, what was this? I mean, I know what it was. You get a little bit of character from it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, Kazuma has a reputation around town to get into scraps. Yeah. You know, he's he's a guy who... Uh, it's a little bit of a tramp. Yep. He, he, he hasn't done an honest day's work, it sounds like, you know, and he's known yeah. for that. You know, he's, yeah. he's known to get his money in, you know... Less honorable ways, I guess, you know. Yeah. He's talking to basically a, a toller because he needs to, like, pay a toll just to get home. Yeah, <laughs> Like, yeah. to walk through a oh. dilapidated building. Like and I was watching yeah. I was watching it and I was like, that's good business. That's good money for this thing. Just, like, set up a thing where people can't pass unless they pay you. Yeah. That's a good business. Yeah. But And um, then a little, a little kid walks up behind him also going to go through this tunnel. Yeah. He's going to the mines to work because his dad... Got injured right. or dead. And or I don't else. have a clip of this, but Kazuma, you, you see another character moment where he has pity on this kid. Yeah. It, yeah. He slips him most of the money that he got from uh, this rescu- job he just did. Rescuing the chief. Yeah. They don't ever really talk. They don't really talk about it. Like there's no clip. It's just you see it. You see like at the beginning of the scene, he has a bunch of money in his hand. And then at the end of the scene, he walks away and there's a bunch of money stuffed in this kid's basket. Right. And the kid even complains. It's like. He's like, you got money to go inside uh, the tunnel, kid? And he's like, money? I don't, I only have, you know, a few coins. Yeah. I only take cash. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so Kazuma, sh- like, you know, slips some cash into his bag mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, you know, he's got a heart of gold. I he's think, got, you know, mm, he's a bit like a Han Solo character, you know? He's he's got like, a, does Han Solo have a heart of gold? Yeah. No. By the end of, by the, end of the first movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we agree to disagree. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we see Kazuma's home life, I guess. Does he live with these people? Yeah, he lives with the old man and the girl, which I may or may not be related to him. I feel like they have a farm. Yes, but I, I yeah, I don't know the relationship, but he's close to a little girl named Konami yes. and her grandpa. <laughs> Kazukun! <laughs> oh, never mind. Hey, Konami, That's didn't I, I tell remember. you to stop calling me that? Aww, why not? Just because, okay? Hey, 
You know, Kazuma, you shouldn't be away from home so much. Yeah, sure. But we have to eat, you know. Hey, Grandpa. We'll have tea later. <laughs> Come on, Kazukun. <laughs> I told you, stop calling me that. It's like cringe whenever she says, Kazukun. Kazukun. It's one of those things that, like, it's it's authentic to the, you know, Japanese, but it sounds really weird coming out of an English woman's mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those things that, I don't know, whining is not cute in, um... No. In American. <laughs> it, 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 like, coon is like an honorific that means, like, little kid, little... You're talking about a little kid, right? It's like... Like, little brother. Type. It's It's male in connotation more than anything else, but... It, it's like a closest of endearment. Usually it's used on kids, but not all the time. Okay, okay. Because I, I can understand it's like, you know, Kaga, like, little Kazuku, you know, like, yeah. little Kazuma. And he's like, stop calling me that. Yeah. I can understand his resentment towards that. But. Yeah, but it's it's also something that they probably, like, when they grew up together and they would just, like, Kun and Chan and all the, but he's like, I'm big and strong now and I don't want a weak, small name anymore. So it's just like, I'm going to call you what I've always called you, Ted. You want me to call you Theodore now? No, you're Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, and so I, I assume they all live together, and they're they've they're they've got they're on hard times. You know, they've fallen on hard times, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't have any money. And that's why Cosmo takes these jobs to hopefully pay for food and rice and veggies. And here's the thing: if you're a farmer in an apocalyptic wasteland, but you can farm, do you really need money? Well, what what if the you know it's not not uh, the right season or something, you know? Rain hasn't come yet. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. Just if the world ends and we're still, like, here. Like, not like the world ends, but I I would really like to learn how to farm. <laughs> because that's all. I'd be bored a lot because I assume the world's over, so there's no Wi-Fi. But <laughs> I got food. This money won't go very far. I know. You're a worthless, good-for-nothing bum. That's true. You might as well add stupid loser to the list. Thanks for the drink. We've hardly got any rice or vegetables left. What do we do? We'll do whatever we have to do. Like what? Maybe we could... Ah! I spend all my time worrying about how we're gonna make it! So what do we do? Next time you come home and I don't think you make enough money, I'm going to call you a worthless... What did she say? You're a worthless bum. Yes, a worthless bum. I know. <laughs> that is your only response. You can't get mad at me. So he's... It's. I think it's kind of funny the power dynamics they have. Because she is a little girl. Yes. Like she's like, she looks like she's like 12 years old or something. Yes. But she she makes him like... You know, she's able to da talk down to him. And mm -hmm. he's just like, I know, you know. So, internet, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're love interest and Ugh. they end up together. And she's not as young as she's, like, her character is modeled oh, after. I hate that. But also, he's, like, not, like, in his 20s. He's, like, 16 or something because it's anime. But and she's drawn children. so young and he's drawn so old. Yeah. It's so un that's very uncomfortable. Yeah. She literally could be, like, five or four years younger than him and she's just, like, tiny. But I'm pretty sure, again, internet, correct me if I'm wrong, because that also, I've hung out with a lot of anime kids when I was in high school, and they did like to draw and do fan fiction. In my recollection, they were an item. <laughs> okay, well, I hate it. I know. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's when I saw her again, I was like, Ugh. That's why I was also like, are they related? 
Because then my brain is really not happy. As far as the first episode goes, she's the narrator as well. Yeah. Like she like whispers little things about what's happening. I had a dream. She had a dream. <laughs> her her superpower is precognition or is she, current is she, cognition. Is she an alter user? Yes. Okay. It's like a mystery. Yes. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Spoiler. Sorry. Anyway, uh, you hear a little tap at the la- at the end of that last clip. Uh, someone comes to their window with a job for Kazuma. Uh, that character's name is Kimishima. We're going to call him Corey Matthews. So, what do you want? Well, you've heard about the Lardis gang, haven't you? They hang out by the subway ruins. That's Hideki's gang, right? Just a bunch of kids. That's right. And now there's another gang who's trying to break into their territory. Hmm. Only this other gang is led by an altar user. I get it. Fight fire with fire. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> if this guy really is an altar user, I can't guarantee what'll happen. Yeah, whatever. Why do you call him Corey Matthews? <laughs> He's got curly hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. He gives off Corey Matthews vibes where he's like, yay. And then he's like, what are you doing, best friend? Why are you being so stupid? But like even before he gives him this job here, he's just like, oh, man. Like, How you doing, Kazuma? Oh, I'm out of money. But I thought you did that big old job this morning. You're supposed to make $3,000. I didn't count how much I stuffed in the boy's wallet. Yeah. So that's the job. I assume this happens all the time where Kazuma has to play, basically play sheriff and go down and break up violence between two gangs or something like that. Yeah, you I think know? he's like the strongest alter in them, their parts. Yeah. I have a little bit more back and forth regarding uh, Kimishima and uh, Kazuma regarding mm-hmm. this job. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. All right. It's not like Hideki's a total stranger or anything. I'll do it for two thou. Pays 30. Are you out of your mind? Get the hell out of here. You're asking for way too much. I need the money. I'm like totally broke. Huh? <laughs> what about that job this morning? You were supposed to make a fortune. Mm. Uh, I'm telling you I'm broke. Uh, I can't believe that you did it again. You're such an idiot. That's it. Leave. Mr. Kimishima, stay for dinner? That sounds great. Thanks. <laughs> You're such a leech. Takes one to know one. They argue a lot. Yeah. In this first episode. Yeah. <laughs> They're the source of most of the entertainment in this episode. He, he, he is, uh, Kimishima is a comic relief character. Yeah. In this first episode, for yeah. sure. Does he, he change? He doesn't change. You just don't see him as often as you would like. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> nice to know you, Kimishima. Uh, anyway, so yeah, you hear about the job. There's a new gang in town that's roughing up uh, the Lordus gang or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Kazuma's going to go down there to set him straight. Yeah, and uh, let's let's hear that new gang. I don't, they don't have a name, but uh, you're gonna hear a, a gruff voice, and that's the leader of the new gang. <laughs> All right, listen. This crap hole and everything in it is ours. You losers can either get out of here right now or die. Have you got that? Wait a minute. Hideki, <laughs> you bad goon! Watch your mouth, twerp. Hold on. Huh? This is your big brother, isn't it? I'll bet you love him a lot. <laughs> now, do you understand? I want you out of here. You're the worst. <laughs> this scene is like, this is the, my favorite scene in the whole show. You're the worst. The, the little boy runs up. He's like, you're such a bully. And the, the, the this very large man bends over to talk to this little boy. And he's like, hold on. 
this is your big brother, right? And you love him very much. And the little kid's just about to like nod, and this grown man just starts slapping this kid in the face. It was very, uh, when we watched the first time, it caught us very off guard, so we had surprised laughs. But Rodney is really tickled by this. It's such a non sequitur. <laughs> like, it's so weird. Oh, man. Yeah, it's just like, bam, bam. I mean, I guess that's how you, uh, you, you make sure that. The territory is yours. This is a bad. Assert your dominance. This is bad. <laughs> yeah. So okay, this is one of those scenes where I'm like, I've seen way too many anime that have this exact setup, where mm-hmm. there's like a a bigger gang who's rolled into town mm-hmm. and is bullying an existing gang. Yes. Uh, and it's just always a very large man who's like throwing his weight around, right? You know, figuratively and literally. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 slender main character walks in, and they all like, "Oh, you're gonna you're gonna fight us!" <laughs> and then the, the 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 main character takes him down with one punch. Yeah, I, we we've seen it in Fist of the North Star. Yes, the very first episode. It it is the exact same. Yeah, setup, including a little boy who's there. Yes. to witness it. Mm, yes, um, it happened very similar in um, Roroni Kenshin. Yep. Yeah. Which one was uh, better? Th- I, I've seen it. In, I watched uh, Berserk recently. Yeah. And th- they're the same scene. There's the very scene. Yeah. There's a scene very similar in Berserk. So it's just like, this is such a stock scene. It's a trope. It's a trope. And <laughs> this is why I was just like, man, like I've seen this already. It's it's basically the Western trope, though, just in one episode. That's true. Every episode of Trigun is basically this, though. <laughs> Every episode is like, oh, somebody's trying to hurt you people. No, 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 no. But Trigun is a literal Western, so. Okay. And <laughs> anyway, and then so Kazuma shows up and he, he, what does he do? He like punches out the big guy first and not like knocks the wind out of him, knocks him down. Mm-hmm. And then the big guy's like, all right, hold on. We're going to, we're going to fight with altars. <laughs> yeah. And then he brings his big old altar. So kid, you want me to bring my altar out, huh? Well, it's your lucky day. Then shut up and do it. Huh. Oh no! Biff's gonna bring out his altar! Alright! I'm gonna kick your ass! <laughs> oh no, not the car! There's a lot of a screaming, just like in Dragon Ball Z. All, all basically a bunch of action anime. They all have the transformation sounds. Yeah. Freaking Naruto and all that <laughs> junk. Uh, but yeah, he gets into his big old altar suit. Yeah. What what is what happens when someone fights with their altar? What is what it happens? So it's like something manifests itself on you, or like ne- near you. It's more mostly like machinery kind of thing. It's not just like ooh pew pew magic guns out my finger like you you hacker show um but like it's a manifestation of like a part of your body changes into something that can be weaponized and and it's different for everybody like yes. everyone has their own transformation yes. and so for this big guy it's like this metal bodysuit with like long arms and legs it, it looks like the hulkbuster armor honestly yeah you know yeah and then kazuma he transforms with his altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hear a little bit of that. Well, you wanted to see my altar? <laughs> Hammer! No, no. 
We gotta get out of here. Yeah. Now it's time for you to show me yours. And it better be good or you're a goner. <laughs> Been a while since the last altar fight. I forgot just how good it feels. You see, I was born with this strange power. They tell me it's not good, but if it makes me feel like this inside, then there's just no way that altar power can be bad. Wouldn't you agree? And uh, what is Kazuma's altar? Red. <laughs> it's, it's like a red robot arm. Yes, with big three big spikes out the back of his, like, shoulder bit. I'm trying to think of anime this reminds me of, and, I, like, it vaguely, I haven't watched a lot of anime, but it kind of reminds me of... One Punch Man, a little bit, which I know is old, like new, more recent. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but like you know, one arm he punches with one arm. Okay, I mean, I guess. Did you watch the first season of One Punch Man I all did. the way through? It's so yeah. good. Uh, it also reminds me of a Kill a Kill. Kill a Kill. Yeah, where like main character does a transformation and it's mm -hmm. like you know very flashy. Yeah. Uh, and then it both both of these guys transforming into their own unique alter reminds me of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Right. Uh, where I forgot what they're called in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but everyone has a, like, a I, I don't know if it's like a spirit or something that, like, they, they, everyone has a secret power mm -hmm. that manifests itself in different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and that reminds me of Scryed here, where everyone has their own special power that manifests in its own special way. I've never seen a single episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but I've always assumed that it was just, like, Lupin on crack. Is that wrong? I... <laughs> I think every every like season of JoJo is different. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, like well, of what I've seen of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, there there are fights like this where two characters kind of like transform into hmm. something different, and they you know fight. I really didn't think it had any fighting in it. I thought it was like bad espionage. No, I mean from what I've seen, it's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, derailed. It's fine. Um, also, if, very tropey. With action anime, all the characters like shout their moves to each other. You yeah. heard, you heard the big guy, hammer. I gotta let you know that my my big old power has a name. I named it. Cosmo's like, you know, flying fist, or so whatever. I don't Something know. bullet. It's not yeah. fist. Right. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Oh, each of the bullets have a different name. That's right. Yeah. It's like first bullet. Yes. He has three different moves. It's so video gamey. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, yeah. This feels like something Samus would have. Yeah, or I'm just thinking like this could be like an RPG, like a Pokemon RPG where you choose from different moves, you know? Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and there's a fight. Not a lot of good sounds about it, you know. Yeah. They they have they have a pretty extended fight scene. But they get interrupted. Do they? Yeah, that's when uh, hey, Holy comes in. During no, the no, fight. They, they come after. They, he knocks the, the big guy down and scares him away. And then Hold shows up. Kazuma, Kazuma wins the fight. Yeah. And then he asks every all the small gang babies to to scatter. Right, and right. And says, oh. And then Hold shows up. Yeah. If you're still looking for a fight, we'll be your next opponent, Mr. Native Alter. We are all in position. The suspect is surrounded. Kazuma, it's hold. Let's get out of here. 4,000. Uh, for 4,000, I'll buy you some time. You've got it. Now get out of here, you losers. Yeah. So Kazuma's going to stand his ground against hold uh, while his friends can get away. They got big old trucks. 
Yeah, like Jeeps, like all-terrain vehicles. Yeah, like they're standing on a, a platform above them. It feels like something out of uh, Star Wars. Or or like Mad Max, even. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're com- hello, native alter. That's That feels derogatory, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it is. But yeah, so uh, because he's got a, a malleable heart of Ruby, <laughs> he's... Uh, gonna stand his ground for these uh children who've been slapped around it's very noble yeah. uh he like he he asserts his dominance by like punching holds giant like battle tank yeah you I'm know punch your car yeah and everyone's <laughs> like oh my gosh he's so strong and then they send out the hidden the secret weapon yes so what is that secret weapon the dude <laughs> he is a effeminate like wispy man very quiet like he, he's he's an altar user who's just like He's like silent but deadly kind of yeah. kind of guy. Uh, that character's name is Ryohu Ryu. <laughs> Ryohu him, Ryu. He's mostly called Ryu. <laughs> Ryu <laughs> in the in the show. Okay, and he's 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 like mastered his altar to the point where he can he takes down Kazuma really easily, very easily. And his his it's apart from him. Yeah, his his altar is like this like wiry like I don't know paperclip like, lady. It's it's weird. Yeah, it's like. Very thin, jagged pieces of metal that contort in such a way, and they like pre- they press in on your pressure points. I yeah, guess. that's what it looks like. Because Cosmo's going in for a giant punch, and this like very sharp edge just hits him right in his like underarm, and he's just like Ugh! pow, straight in the armpit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like held up by this altar, and he can't move. Yeah, and he like kicks dirt in this guy's face. <laughs> he does not appreciate. You think I'm a coward for doing that? Not really. I knew what to expect of you. It's what I would anticipate from an outcast of society. <laughs> outcast this! Exterminating last bullet! <laughs> yeah! Exterminating last bullet! <laughs> See, it's called exterminating, so it definitely did the job. It didn't. <laughs> well, we don't know because it's a cliffhanger. Like, he's going in and it has the anime, like, you know, freeze frame slow-mo thing mm. where it's like he's going in for... Some kind of punch. Yeah. And then time slows down and it gets very dark and silhouette. And then you hear uh, uh, Konami's ending narration. Yeah. I was dreaming. Inside my dream, I became someone else. I became a person who's fighting to change the inevitable. That person's pain was incredibly intense. But his spirit was just as strong. Then I screamed out loud. Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! I kept on wishing with all my might. And then the show ends. Credits. That's it. <laughs> yep. That's the first episode. I, I, was, I was pretty irritated. I was just like, <laughs> that's it? Because we got through the plot pretty swiftly here. Yeah. Right? I'm like thinking back to that first episode of uh, Roroni Kenshin that we watched. I felt mm-hmm. like we watched a full, like, it felt like a, like a you know, mini movie. Yeah. You know, I had many movements and like it felt like, a, I felt very satisfied with yeah. like, you know, I had a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, this show just like, it's just like done. You know, <laughs> like those 20 minutes were just like done like that. And I feel like nothing was accomplished or happened. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, and I don't think I'm intrigued enough to find out. No, no, yeah, I, I think de- it was—it's meant to be like a mystery. Like, yeah. Oh, what's going to happen to Cosmo? And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. I hope there he dies. Are definitely much 
We've definitely seen like they're like way better anime pilots, right? Like Yu Yu yeah. Hakusho is one of those ones that we oh, agree yeah. is like the most solid. Oh yeah, like that in that thirty minutes, we're like, ah, I I know everything I need to know about these people, I, and I, I want to keep. I going. knew so many. Yeah, I knew so <laughs> much about like the three main characters. The three main characters, the the school in home environment environment that they had, like it was just tops yeah ruin kenshin not as solid but like literally i liked it yeah it's good no it is very good i just uh yu yu hakushu is top tier yes it's my yes. favorite anime um but yeah ruin kenshin as long as you're listening to the right dub or the or watching the sub it just like tells you everything you need to know and you either are in or you're not but it like gives you like like we felt we watched the the adaption the first ruin kenshin movie yeah and in that hour and a half or close to two hours was just the first episode. Yeah. More or less. Eh, and then it had some stuff about the end, like towards the end or half season of of it. But like for the most part, it was just the first episode. So that like, you know, that was done so well. Dragon Ball. <laughs> okay. Well Dragon, well, Dragon Ball Z's first episode was equally as like disposable. I was talking about Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z. But Dragon Ball Z, yes. <sighs> I freaking hate Goku. Dra yeah, Dragon Ball had a decent first episode yeah decent uh it was much slower than like this one felt like it moved pretty swiftly mm -hmm. but nothing happened no. like like dragon ball nothing happened but it was very slow you know yeah. very like you know very quaint you know yeah like because for all those other ones we can still remember the characters names i can't remember any of the names of what we just went over mr kimishima <laughs> that yeah. that's it <laughs> Yeah, so this is not a good, strong episode, and no. I honestly would not want to continue just having seen this. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I ate anime for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> One other thing I got out of that last clip, though, is uh, the music's good. Yeah. Most of it, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I was listening to, like, the battle music, and it's very, very Super Sentai, mm. uh, very generic action stuff. But, like, they, just like Cowboy Bebop, they bring in, you know, some brass instruments. Yeah. You know, they do some, you know, cool, interesting things with the music. So mus the music's good. Yeah, it's inscribed. pretty atmospheric. Atmospheric. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's scryed. Mm -hmm. Recommend it? No. Me neither. <laughs> yep. And I've, I've said my piece. I yeah. This is like the most generic anime uh, I think I've ever seen. It gets better, but it not like the other anime that we've talked about that I like like better. I can't think of honestly another anime that's more generic than this. You know, I feel like every other anime I've seen at least has like, an interesting oh, hook. You know, yeah. an interesting hook or an interesting setting. Yeah. Something that sets it apart. Like, no, this is like, there's like nothing new under the sun with this show. It's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, like I've seen better post-apocalyptic anime. Yeah. I've seen better action that, anime. That was done like 30 years ahead before yeah. this. Right. Yeah, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. I've seen better uh, uh, like martial arts anime. I've seen better transformation, big robot anime. I've seen yeah. better uh, superhero anime. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing here that's new or interesting. Yeah. So, Scryed is a no for me. Yeah. Oh, well. You win some, you lose some. I don't often lose. <laughs> well, what did the world think? Scryed proved overwhelmingly popular in Japan, <laughs> frequently ranking high in audience surveys of the best anime series as conducted by outlets like Animage and TV Asahi. Feels right. Part of me feels like this is Scryed, appeal to a generation of anime fans who had mm -hmm. just come of age mm -hmm. um, and hadn't seen things like, you know, especially in Japan. Yeah. Like I feel like young kids who were like nine or 10 
had not seen Fist of the North Star. Mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z was old by that point. Like it was new for us, old for them. Yeah. Um. So like this was all novel. Yeah. So it was interesting. But like to you know to me it was just like I've seen better than this. Again, I would like to say, right, like as bad as the first episode is and as much as I'm like the the show itself doesn't get like gold stars all around, it does do a lot of interesting things them- thematically and story-wise. Yeah. Um, so I could also see like that being the reason why, right? Got it. The series received mostly positive reviews with praise going to its action and characters. The UK Anime Network, for example, noted, quote, plenty of violence, comedy, Good, strong characters and plenty of hot mecha action in the most surprising of places. Ooh, I love that hot mecha action. DVD Talk said, quote, The characters are well-developed, and the story has an intricate background that adds a lot to the show. The fight scenes are exciting and usually over quickly, which is a good thing. (laughs) I mean, we don't have three episodes of Frieza powering up. That's true, yeah. That stuff can be overwhelming. Online outlet Mania had a more lukewarm response, criticizing the show's repetitive and cliche action sequences and predictable plot. They summed it up by saying, quote, many people appreciate the battles, including fans of the aforementioned Dragon Ball Z, and for them there are enough plus points about Scribe that it should be well worth their time while giving the series a try. For the rest of us, the good unfortunately doesn't quite cancel out the bad. <laughs> Hello, you are part of the rest of us. Multiple outlets did praise the show's developments late in the series, with UK Anime Network calling the finale, quote, an excellent end to a superior series. Yeah. I do remember the end being like, ooh, and that's why I watched it again. And finally, Scryde was named the third best anime series at the Anime Grand Prix Awards. Want to guess what it lost to? Lost to two. Two different shows. Is it for the year or for? Yeah, for the year. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking, looking at my... Li- Fruits Baskets. Yes. Yeah. Lost to Fruits Baskets and Inuyasha. Yep. Yep. That feels that feels right. <laughs> that uh, Those are both shows. Well, okay. Inuyasha I enjoyed quite thoroughly. And the only reason it's not my anime is because, um, or it's not my show for the year it came out is because it did not end <laughs> until it ended. But I don't have time. And uh, I read all of Fruits Baskets in the manga form. Uh, and it is... So good. It's so good. Anyway. And what of the legacy of Scryde? Scryde ran for a single season of 26 episodes. Yep. Any any recollections on where the show went from here? There was a forest. There was sadness. There was um, Ryu realizing that he was being manipulated and he's a very strong, powerful person, but then also being like, no, this can't be true because then everything is a lie and I can't handle that. And then breakdowns and then there's the, the great lots. There's lots of stuff. <laughs> he had a Vegeta face turn. Yes. Or a, a, I don't think I ever saw Vegeta's face turn. Seto Kaiba face turn. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Kaiba. Wait, is that from, from Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, I definitely didn't watch Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Screw the rules. I have money. It <laughs> was that a lot. Oh, that must be from the yeah, from, <laughs> yeah, drag, or the the Yu-Gi-Oh abridged. Yep. Uh, Bandai Entertainment licensed the series and began releasing DVD box sets in the United States in 2003. Mm. No, I didn't own that. And the series debuted on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim block in 2005 after select episodes had been aired on Adult Swim's video on demand service for nearly a year before that. <laughs> And I was like, that's really early for video on demand. Um, 2004? Like, that's that's right when it was becoming, like, 
I think even like possible to do like streaming video on the internet, huh. you know, and I can understand only being able to do like select episodes at certain times mm-hmm. because bandwidth was hard to come by back yeah. then, you know, everybody was on dial up I, I, in 2004. It would have taken me like three hours to download an episode of scry to watch, <laughs> you know, would you have done it? No. <laughs> A manga adaptation of Scryde, drawn by Yasunari Toda, was serialized in Akita Shoten's Weekly Shonen Champion from October 2001 to June 2002, and a light novel series written by Kazuho Hiyodo and illustrated by Hisashi Hirai was published from 2002 to 2003. Interesting that the, the, the manga came after the anime yeah. in this case. I was going to say that. I was like, oh, that's not how it normally happens. The show also spawned a soundtrack album and two CD dramas in 2001. Hey. In 2001, Sunrise announced that the series would be re-released and remastered as two feature films comprising the entire series as well as new footage. The same year it came out? N- no, 2011. Oh, I heard 2001. My oh, ears are 2011. Bad. 10 years. <laughs> part of the 10-year anniversary. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- these, these two movies were collectively known as Scryde Alteration as part of Scryde's 10th anniversary project. Okay. Uh, the first film, subtitled Tao, T-A-O, yes. <laughs> uh, released November of that year, while the second film, subtitled Q-A-N, Q-U-A-N, uh, released March Quan? 2012. Quan? Maybe Quan. Let's not get too close to Q-A-N. Q-A-N, please. <laughs> Quan, Quan. Quan. March 2012, uh, the films spawned a soundtrack album and a CD drama. Yeah. And while there have been no scryed video games, there probably should have been, but there weren't, uh, Kazuma did appear in the 2012 Japan-exclusive PSP crossover RPG, Heroes Fantasia. Uh, that's cool. I mean, nice. I, I don't know anything about Heroes Fantasia. It's, Me neither. I don't know. It's like <laughs> a bunch of anime together. So it's Smash Brothers? I don't even think, it's like an RPG, so it's not even a fighting game. No. Yeah, it's some kind of like, Play you know, your like crossover game. adventure, you know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 all I got for Scryde. Oh. The, the 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 franchise is not as big as you know other anime of its yeah, of its time. Fair. Which you know I think I like because it means that I did watch some like obviously this was in a deep cut because it was insanely popular in Japan, which is one of the reasons Adult Swim brought it over. But it's like one of those things where I'm like. Yeah, it's not a thing that a lot of people watch unless you were watching Adult Swim in two. Yeah, it doesn't have legs. Uh, but that's all we got. Yeah. I guess the next order of business is who won? I would like to who say. Who won the scrap episode? Who won the scrap? It was you. It yeah, was Scrubs, yeah, Scrubs, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, it was Scrubs. There was no fight for this one. Scrubs wins. Scrubs is the squinner. <laughs> the scrinner. <laughs> uh. uh. Yep. Yeah. So good job, Scrubs. Good job, Scrubs. Good job, JD. Good job, Turkey. Good job, Carla. Good job. I don't know why I'm doing this to the tune of Goodnight Moon. What's next? Uh, runners up? Runners up. Yeah. Would you like to know what we could have been watching instead of Scrubs? Yes. What about you, kids? I can't hear them. Can you turn it on? <laughs> All right. My love. If we were not watching Scrubs for you, we could be watching Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> It's a show that I didn't like want to watch, but it was just on. You know? Yeah, it was like in a car, my my little sister liked Lizzie McGuire. Yeah, you know, so it was just like you know, if, if there's nothing else on, you watch Lizzie McGuire. Fair, you know. I, I watched the movie. Oh yeah, Paolo. 
Paolo. I just rewatch. I just watched a um a YouTube channel that like does video commentaries on movies, and they were watching. They watched the Lizzie McGuire movie, and it was great. I loved it. Uh, especially one of them is uh, Italian, and they were like, uh. <laughs> at every point, he was just like, Ugh. you know, Gordo. He he just wanted the girl. Right? Oh my god. We were gosh. all rooting for Gordo. We were all rooting for Gordo. Uh, we also could have been watching The Fairly Odd Parents. Okay. I, I think I like, like, I'm pretty sure I liked that show a lot more than I do now. Like, I don't look back mm. fondly on that show anymore. It's, I've, I think I've gotten too old where it's just like, it was such a loud, gross, like. My shiny teeth like, and me. It's a mean show, you know? Like, I feel like everyone was mean to each other. Were they? Yeah. Probably. I I, I watched it a bit. It was a zany, but- it was a zany show. But it also felt like mean spirited under the surface. Like, That's fair. You know, when I think back to it, it's like I don't want to watch it. But like it's beloved. People like meme it all the time. But yeah. like I look back on that show and I don't have the fondness that I do for other Nicktoons of that era. That's you fair. know what I mean? Um, so like I know, I know I loved Fairly Odd Parents. Like I remember there was some kind of like TV movies or TV special, like a long episode that aired. And I was upset because we had to leave to go to my grandma's house mm. when it was airing, you know, and I was like, no, I got to watch this. And, <laughs> you know, we didn't didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I think like I convinced my dad to go to like Kmart to buy the VHS because you missed of, it. Yeah. Of the special when it released because they never re-aired it. You know, dad I could never see it. So good to kids. Yeah. I would have been like sucks to suck. <laughs> so I definitely liked that show, but I don't like it now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what about Invader Zim? How do you feel about that? That's another like gross, gross yeah, mean spirited show, but it's so like it know like it, it's unapologetic about it. Like it's not trying to hide it. So it's like I I I, I remember liking it back then, you know. But mm-hmm. I can't watch too much of it. Like I mm-hmm. feel like it's just like Rick and Morty. Like I feel gross, like yeah, dirty watching it, it. It's in that like pl- precipice. That it's in that place of like you don't like Matilda because they eat cake. Gross. So it was like, how are you watching Invader Zim and enjoying it? Yeah. It's it's something that like my brain feels dirty having watched it, you know, so I can only watch a little bit of it. But like there's something very artistic about it, you mm-hmm. know, and like it's like deeply cynical at this. It's like so turn of the millennium cynical. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and hey, you know, it it uh, I'm pretty sure it, it doubled the sales of Hot Topics around the world. <laughs> For real? <laughs> yeah, it was like Hot Topic girls oh my loved gosh. them, you know. Uh, lastly, we could have been watching Justice League. Justice League. That's a great show. Okay. No, I'm serious. Like, um, that was airing on Adult Swim Cartoon Network. Ah. Um, it is the continuation of the, like, DC animated universe. Mm-hmm. Like, with Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and Static Shock, and Teen Titans. But it was very, like, not adult, like, but it, it was mature. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it felt like these were, like, human beings with emotions and right. relationships. and. The stakes were high, and the, it was smart. It was well written, as well animated. It's a very good cartoon. I don't um, believe you. And ba- it was, you know, you were watching Adult Swim, mm-hmm. maybe not two thousand one, but a few years later. Um, my friends, you know, my friends would stay over at the house, or I go to their house to stay over the night, right? And every Friday night or Saturday night, we would try to stay up late enough to watch Adult Swim. <laughs> we wanted to watch Family Guy. And uh, like Aqua Teen Hunger Force uh-huh. and stuff like that. We wanted to watch Adult Swim, but like, you know me, I, I can't stay up too late. I get sleepy, you know? So, <laughs> and then you get cranky. It, it's, it was like, there were, I can like recall dozens of weekends where we would stay up just late enough to catch 
Samurai Jack, mm. Justice League, and like maybe one the first program at Adult Swim that night, mm-hmm. and we just conk out, like, fall asleep, d- done. So yeah, done. that's I'll my see. memory of Adult Swim. Well, you just couldn't make it. No. <laughs> it's probably for the best. It might have been, you know, they might have done this on purpose. They felt like the first program on Adult Swim Internet was freaking home movies, which is the most boring <laughs> cartoon for a 12-year-old. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm going to sleep. I'm not watching home movies. I'm not going to make it through this wall. No. Well. But Justice League is great. Okay, I believe you. I'm not going to watch it, but I believe you. Um, uh, That's all for your runners up. For, for mine. All the anime. Every anime that ever existed. Okay, Um, outside of the anime, let me look. All of its anime. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no non-anime on this there's list. There's no non-anime on this. Look, it was the year that like every network was like, yo, what cartoons? I'll give it to you. Um, so let's start with my Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shaman King, which is a, I think it was on Fox Kids, Fox Box. They change it so often. So, okay. So this was a, this is probably a, okay. Yeah. So this is like the same team that brought you Digimon. You know, yeah. like, there was an arms race going on yeah. between Fox Kids and Kids WB about yeah. who can acquire the most anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just bounced between the, you know how mad I was a couple of years ago when I was like on vacation somewhere that had like cable and it was Saturday and I was like, I don't have anything to do. I'm going to watch Saturday morning. Car- they don't have Saturday morning cartoons anymore. Nope. Everything's on the internet, which is fine because it's easier. I can watch it whenever I want, but I was like real upset about it. Yeah. Anyway, we're the, la- we're, we're the last generation to get Saturday morning cartoons, probably. <sighs> That's fair because everybody's got their own tablet. Saturday morning bluey. <laughs> Um, so Shaman King is like basically have did you know anything about it? Nope. It's basically about a kid who's just got a lot of power. He's a shaman. I remember really enjoying it, liking the art more than anything else. I can't really remember uh a bunch about the story itself, but I remember really enjoying it. And he's like collecting ghosts to use like Pokemon cards or Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Alright, alright. Um, I also in the same uh vein Watched uh, Mobile Angel Angelic Lair. <laughs> Mobile Angel Angelic Lair. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Did it air as that in the U.S.? Yes. Yes. It wasn't good, <laughs> but I watched it because I needed to eat anime to survive. It was basically about like this. They had battle dolls. They were literally like Barbies that were mechanical that you would hatch from eggs. And then you would like dress them up if you have money. And then you would battle them like robots like you would do in like g4 battle robots but they were as big as barbies and you could they would fight each other in arenas and they would record it like it was pokemon like okay it was a sport i'm I'm just picturing zatch bell but okay oh my gosh no they were adorable cute angel magic girls not zatch bell i enjoyed zatch bell though zatch bell was so good zatch bell was so good anyway Moving on, um, I will. So I I also watched Fruits Baskets all the way through. Um, that was another runner up. I'm sorry, kids. This is gonna take a while. I'm gonna get very quickly through this as much. As I watched Fruits Baskets all the way through. Uh, I was very upset by the end of it, and then my friend let me uh, borrow all of her manga, and it was like 30 books. And basically, the mangas or the anime that came out in 2001 basically only covered the first like five or six and then they just kind of jumped to an end and made it up because the manga wasn't finished 
The Wrong is so good. And it then they remade it recently, reasons. right? They did. They did remake it. I think it's uh, they're gonna post or post. I think the third season is gonna drop soonish. Uh, I haven't gone back and checked in a while, but um, love it. Uh, it's much better. <laughs> uh, even though I'm pretty sure the voice actors are the same. So, you know, cool. Um, so for the rest of these things, um, Rodney did some research because I did watch a lot of stuff. Uh, again, Fox Box. I would have, I watched a show called Magical Doremi, which is magic witch girl power stuff. Um, and I, it would have been one of my things, but only 50 of the 51 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I only saw 50 episodes because one never aired in America. Thanks, Fox. Uh, and there was no way I went out of my way to find it. This is the same for Hukari, uh, Hukari no Go, which was a really... That was a weird accent. Uh, which was really, really good. It was really, really interesting. They only aired 72 of the 75 episodes. <laughs> so it couldn't be the show. You guys, you would have enjoyed that a lot more. Um this also is the same for Prince of Tennis, except it was a lot more. So I really, really liked Prince of Tennis. I am not a sports anime girl. Um, I don't love them. I like I watched uh, the the I've watched a, a couple and I just don't finish them. Prince of Tennis. I don't know what it was about it, but I enjoyed me some Prince of Tennis. And that's probably also the first time I, I understood shipping. <laughs> and I was like, I just want these two to end up together. But this is not that kind of anime. Anyway, uh, I think only like two or three of the five seasons <laughs> aired in America. So there was no way I was going to be able to do that. So we'll get to the last two. The one that should have been what we talked about today. Uh, it's called Big O. No, 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 no. So he, he, the Big O is a big problem for this podcast. Yes. We were looking at the 2001. Mm-hmm. TV debuts in the U.S. Yes. The Big O is an anime that uh -huh. aired on Cartoon Network. Yes. In the year 2001. Yes. It originally aired in Japan in 1999. But for some reason, when we looked at the Japan TV debuts of 1999, the Big O was not listed. Yep. So you dropped the ball, Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so we realized, and you confirmed, your 1999 TV show should have been The Big O. Yep. Not the tribe, which we talked about. Yep. Nor was it Crash Box, which we also watched yep. before watching the tribe. Yep. So we wasted my time having to watch <laughs> the tribe and Crash Box when we should have watched the Big O, which I have seen and I enjoy. It's so good. So, yep. I just, kids, I just want you to hear anybody who, any of you kids that are still here toward the end of this to see this, this. If if Rod was not so particular, we could have just been like, that's fine. It's listed as 2001. We're going to go. We're going to go with 2001 because that's the show I watch the most that is listed from this year. But he's got to be fanatical about it. And it because came of out, that, it's a 99 TV show. And because of that, his stalwart conviction, kids, we had to watch Sikrid. Scried. Yeah. I will say it how I want. E either way. One day, maybe we'll return and watch The Big O and talk about it, uh, but not today. So for now, in the books, 1999 is The Tribe. <sighs> and the last thing I have on this list is Helsing, but we don't have to talk about that. Hel Helsing, we also almost... I'm pretty sure you at one point like like flipped a coin and said, oh, it's it's Helsing. It was like Scryder Helsing, and you mm -hmm. flipped a coin, and it was Helsing, which is a 
Dracula anime. I yes, guess. yes, it's, it it's is. a it's a yeah vampire hunter anime, and it's actually pretty stylish and cool. And we watched the first episode of that, um, it's but very then gory. like just reconsidered and said no, it's scryed. It's scryed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would way I would have much rather talked about Helsing. the big O, oh, and the big O. <laughs> but either way, we're stuck here with scryed, and it lost. <laughs> it wouldn't be a scrap episode. <laughs> otherwise, that's fair. But I mean, just quick. Who would have won if it was the big O? Mm. That's, that, it's, you, been, it's been a while since we watched you, the, epi- the first episode. That would have that, that would have been difficult. I would have had to think about it. Yeah, but uh, I didn't have to think too hard about sc- the scrap <laughs> episode. Uh, but that's that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> plugs. Plugs. It's the end of our show. Yeah. Uh, if you like the show, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Media Made Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to post pictures and artwork and uh, videos mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know fun 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 stuff. Fun for me. Fun for both of us. <laughs> uh, we'll also put up polls so you can watch these shows with us and then determine for yourself which show was better. Mm-hmm. Was it Scryed or Scrubs? Uh, you can do some favors. You can uh, follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us a review. Five stars. You know, written reviews are nice. Let us know you're listening. Yeah. Also, uh, you can buy us a coffee on coffee.com. Mm-hmm. That's ko-fi.com slash media made. Uh, on coffee, you can you know donate some money to us, send us five bucks, you know, help us pay for the Media Made Studio. <laughs> uh, yeah, so appreciate that. Drop us, drop us a line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as for me, you can follow me on Twitter personally at Rod the Master. I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. Uh, the the video game, The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, a new trailer was just dropped, and we've got all the news about it. So. <laughs> If you are interested in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, check out ZeldaDungeon.net. I also host a wrestling YouTube show called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. We recently, finally, after months and months of teasing, released an episode about WCW's Cobra. (laughs) So if you like weird, ultra-gimmicked wrestlers, check that out. What do you got? Um, uh, you can find me on YouTube under Taming Tales, Taming Tales on YouTube, where I put, uh, whatever I want up. I'm trying to upload monthly. I have been successful in doing that for two months. So there's two new videos there. If you would like to give us a show, I'm putting up vlogs of just whatever I feel like, uh, trying to find my voice in vlogging. So, you know, it looks different each time, but also I, uh, occasionally and eventually we'll be putting up story videos which is just you know me reading stories that i've written to either art that i've drawn badly or just me on camera reading it depending on how much time i have and how badly i want to put something up um but you can also find all of this information on our link tree which should be linked below um but if it is not link tree uh link tr.ee slash media made and you can find all of the things we've talked about to find us on all of our many platforms and to buy us a coffee if you'd like yeah your your recent video uh does it show media made studio yes very shortly it does. so if you want to see a little glimpse at media made studio before it's you know completion check yeah. out taming tales on youtube and that is the show that is the show uh we're going to close out with the ending theme the first ending theme from scryed it's called Drastic My Soul <laughs> by Mikio Sakai. Drastic My Soul. Feels a little overdramatic. Yeah, and uh, that's what it is. All right. And uh, look forward to a few special episodes as the round out 2022. 
but the next, you know, next normal episode of Media Made will be our movies of 2002. And remember, kids, if you're not so rigid, you could watch Big O.